Welcome to This Guy's Sick. I am Sam Valentine and today we've got our iceberg episode. If you don't know what an iceberg chart is, basically think of an iceberg floating in the sea. What you see at the top is the main part of the iceberg, the bit that you see. And I always say, well, it's only the tip of the iceberg. So think of that and then make a list. And at the bottom of the iceberg is the stuff no one talks about. And the top of the iceberg is stuff everyone talks about. We're going to do that, but we're going to be a bit rude and memey at the same time. So, who have we got on today? I'll let you guys introduce yourself. Got Chris with the Kayla Lady, way. And we've got uh, me, Jake, the Asian sensation. And Jake is the uh, seven aficionado, so I'm pretty sure he's happy with the topic this week. I'm pretty sure he's uh, interested in digging into this. What can I say? The, the iceberg just works, you know. The tip is great, but I like to get all the way down the shaft of this thing. Yeah, you just, just the tip is not enough. So, we do need to start the iceberg in the sky. So... If you have never seen one of these, we have got one. I will be, in fact, it's going to be the episode art. So it's not, <laughs> if you just open your episode art, and you'll see exactly what it is we've done. Well, that's the theory anyway. Yeah. So the top of the iceberg, the most meme worthy thing that we know of in Final Fantasy VII, uh, the thing that is spoken about all the time is going to be our name. So it's this guy's sick. That's true. I think that, it is, is, that's it is the start, that is the starting point, And it's got to be our starting point, of course. This guy's sick is essentially a mistranslation from the original seven, which has since changed. Yeah, they've 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 fixed the translations up on the uh, the PS4 version and the PC version, and it's it's kind of upsetting actually. Yeah, which there, is there, what, should be, there should be an option for the original translation. Errors and all. Oh, but I like the errors. I think they should stay there. I, I, it's character building. There is a charm to it. So that is like number one, the first thing we'll mention. So there were a lot of misconceptions about this game. And I think the first thing I hear from everyone in the entire world about Seven when they're being negative is that it is overrated. Um, well, I think those people can suck a fat one, personally. I'm not biased at all, but you're wrong. You are wrong, yeah. The thing that people seem to forget is quite quite how many really quite mature topics that they go into on in this game. And... Some of the other games don't really explore quite such deep content. Some of them, don't get me wrong, have some real fucking deep issues yeah. and messages. Seven first is the first game to really try to be adult. Like six, as much as I enjoy six and its story and some of the themes, it's still very cutesy. Like yeah. seven drops a lot of the cutesy element. And there is a reason for that because games like Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil had been a big hit. Games have kind of changed a lot. You look at the before the PlayStation era, you look at the earlier consoles, your Mega Drives, your Master Systems, your SNES, your NES, everything your Game Boy. Was, everything was kid-friendly, more or less. Yeah, there was nothing too dark on those consoles in the West. So when the PlayStation comes along, and you've got a Resident Evil, or you've got something along the lines of a 7, or even Tomb Raider in some way, where you're getting munched on by a fucking dinosaur, right? You know, you're just getting murked. There's a lot there for that. So... Chris, you're not the biggest Seven fan out of all of us. So do you think the game is overrated? Do you think it's lofted up too high? Do you think it's mentioned too much? Do you see it as being um, not worthy of its position? It is definitely worthy of the position because there are games that get well hyped up more than Seven does. And the difference being is that Seven has held its own throughout the years. It's still a great game. Whereas other games have kind of been lost to the test of time. Well, yeah, because if you if I was to look at something that was overrated, even something more recent, I'm going to name Fortnite. Do you know what I mean? That that is the true antithesis of a fucking overrated game. Um, 
naming a yeah. JRPG from the 90s as being overrated. I've always found kind of an asinine thing. But nine, nine, no matter how much it's sold, people do know it. Casuals who don't play Final Fantasy have heard of Seven. They've heard of Cloud. They've heard of Sephiroth. They know who Tifa is. They know what the Buster off to her is. a few times. They know what the Buster Sword is. But that's just because the game was so fucking influential on the future of games. In, in general, Seven broke the market in the West, especially in Europe, for JRPGs. Completely opened up the floodgates and everyone wanted to get a JRPG out on the market in the West after Seven. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it caused an explosion, really. Like people, people just had to scramble for it at that point. I, I definitely think, I definitely think there are a lot more overrated games nowadays because so much hype can go into them. Whereas back then, especially when you look at the time, things couldn't be as overrated back then because they didn't get the ridiculous publicizing they do like now. Like the only thing you got was magazines and the occasional demo disc where you could play like the first ten minutes of a game. Yeah, yeah but that, then that the demos came from the magazine, yeah. and you might get an ad on TV. Seven had a lot of ads on TV. Square Enix budget for that, I think, was more than the budget for the game. They had more budget the, for, for one of the ads. earlier games that got those, wasn't it? It was, yeah. They because because it wasn't many at the time because Sony were very much proud that they poached Square Enix Final Fantasy yeah. franchise from Nintendo, and Nintendo yeah. simply released the machine that couldn't handle Seven, so they would have had to rework the entire game because of all these things. Demake it. Sony went. We have Final Fantasy now. It meant a lot to Sony. And they paid a lot of money to make sure everyone knew about it. And ultimately, it changed the course of gaming history. Yeah. Which brings me to a topic I've got here. And this is... Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen all the wrestling posters. The people holding up signs in wrestling about video games. <laughs> so you've seen, I've seen a yeah. few 8 Sucks ones. That's quite funny. So there's been a, there was this uh, event that happened here. And a guy was sat at the front row of AEW Dynamite a couple of weeks ago. And he had a sign that said FF7 over FF7R. Right? That's what he said. And then wrestler Nick Camarato came out and ripped up his sign. Right? And then tweeted it, retweeted it, said, 7 is the most overrated RPG ever and ruined an entire gen genre for years to come. No, it didn't. <laughs> Fucking launched it in the West. It literally <laughs> was the thing that brought JRPGs into Western focus. We wouldn't have fucking had it without Seven. And if it killed it at Seven, we wouldn't have carried on the series up to what? Coming up to 16 and all the spin-offs. It's clearly not a dead franchise, well, is it? And all the other RPGs that have come out in its wake, you know, that have T become Tales popular. of series. The Tales of... None of these would have ever got pushed anywhere without... Seven. Now, it doesn't mean that there weren't JRPGs getting released before Seven and around Seven, but if you look at Final Fantasy, for example, the first Final Fantasy came out in the West and it didn't do very well. Then, I think it might have been Two came out, or Four came out, sorry, and Four was called Final Fantasy Two because they skipped two games because of the low sales. Yeah. When Four didn't do that well, they skipped Five, and then when Six is doing well in Japan, so we'll release Six as Three, and that didn't wasn't, do so well as wasn't well. Wasn't that also on the Game Boy over here? Much, much later. later. Oh, After yeah. 7 came out, they released 6 on the Game Advance. Boy Advance yeah, yeah, on the Advance. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it was all kind of like wishy-washy with JRPGs because the Western audience, the problem that would happen, and I've mentioned this on air before, is that how Japan would take the European audience is, well, if the Yanks don't like it, the Europeans won't. Not realizing that Europeans have a very different palette for gaming than Americans do. 
in in general, especially at that time. So that was something that they they never took into account. We 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 can get our attention held quite easily with quite quite a lot less action and a lot more world building. I find again, it's not it's not specific to everyone, and it's not true of every individual. But as as a whole, PC gamers, I think you have to exclude even no matter where they are in the world, PC gamers have always seemed to have a different palette to console gamers, right? Isn't isn't that because they think they're perfect and they're not? So, I'm going to go with this one first. Cloud is barely a character in his own game. That is... Oh. That is one that I actually... I, was, I, I had a look in the chat, so someone said this the other day and I had about 20-minute arguing with them over it. Yeah, okay. So, Cloud is okay. barely a character in his own game, which I've I've never been able to understand this concept people don't seem to realize that cloud is a character finding his own identity like and that is the story of the game yeah he he is he is realizing becoming and doing everything he can to be himself and not someone else it's him stepping out from the shadow of someone who he believes to be better than himself and realizing that he doesn't have to be that person he is his own person and I think that the, the people that say this maybe played 7 much later. So maybe they played 7 20 years after it came out, which is 2017. I mean, it's, it's, it's a while back, right? Yeah. Maybe they played it 10 years after they came out. Because if you were playing it when it first came out, when, one, you were like, this game has a lot of text. Um, games don't have text. What the fuck? Games don't have this much story and this much writing. If you're missing the the core element of, and it's bigger than the story, it's bigger than um, Sephiroth and Shinra trying to do what they do to the world, destroy the planet, blah, blah, blah. The biggest part of the story is Cloud lying to himself, coming to terms with himself that you don't have to be perfect, and realizing that he isn't this lonely person who doesn't have anyone because now he's surrounded with people who love and care about him. And he deeply cares and loves about them. And there's triumph and there's tragedy involved in him developing this part of himself and finally understanding who he is. If you've missed that core element of Final Fantasy VII, I would call bullshit on you even playing the game. I would, I've done it. Do you know what I mean? I'd say, did you watch someone play it? Did you skip it? Play it on three times speed? Did you not read anything? I don't think you no sat there. Went into the I play. don't think you sat there and fucking played the game if that is your opinion on it. Did you only play Crisis Core? Oh, well, yeah. there's that. Um, so that's going to be on like, the. You wait till we get to Crisis Core on this side. Yeah, like realistically, especially to those of us who had issues with identity or had issues with the fact that we may have been ashamed with who we were, whether it was a valid shame or not. Like me growing up being almost ashamed that I'm part Chinese because other people would fucking bully me for it. Like I, I tried to be someone I wasn't because of that. And. Yeah. This was a game that helped me come to terms with who I am. Yeah. So, you know, understanding someone else's journey to accept themselves really helped my journey to accept myself. Yeah, and and with me at that age, when I first played 7, I used to lie and pretend to be someone I wasn't until I played this game. So I used to just tell people, people go, how was your weekend? I was like, brilliant, my cousin came round, we went on his motorbike. That never happened. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just say stuff because the reality was I was playing video games indoors and I was embarrassed about it. But yeah, so like, and I used to lie a lot. Like, and now I'm, and the reason is like, people tell me all the time, maybe I'm too honest. Maybe I'm too open with people. I've heard people 
say it about the podcast. Like, you just say whatever the fuck comes to mind. There is no filter. There's no, like, off switch. Like, And I've had it in situations where I say shit and I've dropped myself in it. Or I've upset the people around me because I've just said what's on my mind. But to me, that's better than just hiding and lying from it. And yeah. without this, without this game, I would never have done that. I would have never been the person who um, I am now without playing Seven. And the fact that people haven't picked up on that, and they go, "Cloud is non-existent in his game. He's barely, he's barely there. He doesn't say anything. Doesn't do anything." I, I just don't understand where, where's the logic in that? Like, what, what game did you fucking play to see that the character with the most dialogue in the game as well? So this is not. A joke. Yeah, Cloud actually yeah. has the most lines of dialogue in the game. And all the scenes like, you know, where, especially the scenes with Hojo, where he's trying to manipulate Cloud and Sephiroth's trying to manipulate Cloud and they're saying this shit and they dig deep into the lore of what actually happened and all the Nibelheim incident is all from Cloud's perspective. And he lies until he tells the truth about it. Like he, and it's, yeah. and when he, when he tells the truth about it, he was actually still a hero. So he never thought he was good enough. But he still saved Tifa, and he still yeeted Sephiroth. He still was able to do the unthinkable because he was overlooked. And it's because he had the doubt in himself that Sephiroth was like this little grunt. Fuck him. Like, he didn't even see him as, saw him as a worm. When he saw Zack, he was like, fellow soldier, this is a challenge. Or this is at least somewhat of a challenge. Yeah. When he saw Cloud, he was laughing at him. He was like, you fucking little maggot. You worm. And Cloud lobs him off the side and fucking kills him. And he's just like, what the fuck? And even Cloud shouldn't be strong enough to do it. But that deep rooted... That's actually a good point to bring up as well. Because in during that scene where Cloud like pulls up the sword and flings Sephiroth off the edge, he hasn't been Mako-infused yet. No. That's a good thing for people to remember. Like He wasn't experimented on at all before that. He was just a guy in... That's in, just his own strength. It's his, well, yeah. no, it's his resolve. Yeah. So the big thing that you've learned, again, that you learn about Cloud throughout the game that he's barely in, uh, the game that he's non-existent in, the guy on the front cover, barely in it. Uh, <laughs> he, his resolve, that need to be accepted and do the right thing that he kind of hides from, in that moment, it's like the mum lifting the kid off her car. You know, you the hear kid the story. Off the car. You mean the car, car off the kid? The car yeah. off the kid, right? <laughs> it's like that. Or you hear the, the granny runs into the house and rescues the fucking husband in the burning house, lifts him yeah. over her shoulder. Physically, shouldn't be able to do it. She fucking collapses afterwards, holding her spine. She's all injured. But in that moment, she did it. That's what Cloud did. And yeah. anyone who, if you can't see that, you're a fucking clown at this point. You're an absolute fucking, draw a clown next to it. You're an absolute oh, little sure, fucking God. clown. Just a, just a fucking nose and a big hair. Doink You're a clown. You're a doink. You've doinked yourself. That's one of my biggest pet peeves of what people say about this game. That. Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a shitty clown. <laughs> that was a clown's horn going off. You just heard there. He's a, high, he's a gay clown. <laughs> Aren't they all? So that's one thing I've got there. So the next one is probably is the sky area. And this is cloud being emo. So, oh, everyone says this. He's yeah. fucking not. It's the mo. It's the most overused thing that he's emo. One nineteen ninety seven. Emo was so underground at that point that no one knew it existed and didn't know much about it. Emo didn't really kick off until two thousand two, two thousand four, five, six. That period. So no, he was not emo. Squall is more emo than Cloud ever is. Whatever. Emo, you know, he's way more emo <laughs> than Cloud. And I think a lot of people go. Squall was very similar to Cloud. 
because he holds his emotions off. But they do it for completely different things. Squall just doesn't want people getting close to him because he was hurt as a child and lost his sister. So he's like, I'm going to keep everyone at arm's length. Fuck yeah. you. Cloud, Cloud's trying to hide who he is. He's trying to hide who he is. And he's pretending to be a cool, tough guy that yeah. doesn't he, need... He thinks that's cool. He thinks being all... Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna be quiet and you know st- a little bit standoffish and like oh, I'm just doing this for the money. He thinks that's cool, but it's not. And he's trying to be Zach and well, cool. I wouldn't even but say it's he's trying not. to because when you learn about Zach, well, so there's well, yeah, there's two but... sides. Well, actually, fuck it. We'll continue talking about this. I think we'll talk about Zach next because there are two Zacks and oh uh, well, yeah 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 there is there are two they're, they're, they're they're very different they're shonen zack and womanizer zack yes there are shonen zack and there are zack that cloud is trying to be these two things do not compute they they are they're non-binary at this point that's how much they don't compute <laughs> so so jake cloud being emo please just just exasperate just just talk on this yeah Cl- cloud is not by any standard emo because he's not a brooding fucking moody teenager He's very much trying to be the cool guy. He's trying to be the cool kid. And that, in his eyes, is what that is. He's taken, he's taken on the image and abilities and, well, the, um, the things Zach has done, all his achievements. His achievements. He's taken that on as his big, this is what I've done. But he's using that to then put on this cool guy persona of, I'm fucking I'm this badass, but I need to be really cool about it. So I'm just going to be the somewhat quiet, only says something when it's important or when it would be cool to say something. Otherwise, I'm just going to pretend to ignore people and, you know, hope they think I'm as cool as I think I'm trying to be. It's the equivalent of the guy who goes out and gets the entire fucking both his arms tattooed on one day. Do you know what I mean? Like he goes out one day, he comes, he goes to work in his glasses and his normal haircut, and then he comes in tomorrow with a full sleeve of tattoos on both arms and a mohawk. Yeah. And I've seen people do this. I know people that you've looked at them and gone, Todd, what are you doing? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Bit of a call out there. And, well, no, no, Todd, I made Todd up. It sounds like a Todd move, doesn't it? Like, it's you know, a Todd move it's as opposed Todd to move. a Chad move. Yeah, it's a Todd move. But like, I, I used to work with someone uh, back in England, and they were basically just like a drum and bass guy like a, just, a, just an ordinary smoke cigarettes fucking drink a pint of Stella yeah. watch football and he used to always mock me because I was into punk at the time massively into punk and into metal and into like golf and stuff like that and he used to mock me and then this band which everyone's heard of the Arctic Monkeys turned up right now the Arctic Monkeys aren't metal they aren't, but they play gigs right yeah and they were massively popular with the po- type of person he is and when he started noticing that birds like the Ar- Arctic Monkeys Suddenly, this guy that I work with is wearing skinny jeans, right? <laughs> He's grown his hair out a little bit, sort of Indian hair, right? He's wearing band t-shirts, motorhead and all this stuff. He never fucking heard of them. And I straight away was like, what a fucking liar, like a poser. Like you are just a poser. You, this is not congruent with who you are. You're the- just trying to get in, chicks. Imagine if we, we did it today and we turned up and Chris turned up and he's got a fucking mohawk. We'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? I'd be fairly impressed if I had a mohawk. <laughs> Truth be told, so would I, actually. Yeah, but like, if he turned up and he's got half a face tattoo and a fucking ear piercing, we'd all look at We'd rinse him. We would absolutely fucking what destroy him on air. What are you doing with your life? But with Cloud, what he's lucky is no one knows much about him. He's a mysterious guy. Only Tifa knows the truth, but even her hasn't seen him 
for five years. And he could have changed a lot in that time. Yeah, and he could have changed a lot in five, well, not even more than five years, because last time she saw him and knew he was there was when he was a teenage boy at the fountain saying, I'm fucking off to Shinra. He's like 15 or something. Because he, he comes back for the Nibelheim thing, but she doesn't know he's there. She doesn't know there. he's there. So she hasn't seen him in years. So she's like, uh, well, I mean, the Nibelheim thing is wrong, but maybe my memories are fucked because this guy here who's got Mako-infused blue eyes has the abilities of a soldier. The uniform, the sword, it's yeah. the same sort of the guy I saw in Nibelheim. So... Maybe my memories are fucked. So she doesn't want to admit it herself. She kind of is like, uh, and he is acting different to the boy she knew. Admittedly, that was one of the things I was really looking forward to for the remake because I was hoping they'd put a little bit more in the scene where he's telling them about the Nibelheim incident and then to see how Tifa reacts and what she does. Admittedly, now they might fuck with that and that could cause some problems. We'll have to wait and see. But I think it would have been nice to have seen in more context towards the original, more of that scene in yeah, a higher definition. Because in the original, it goes along the lines of, Tifa, is this true? Barrett or something. She goes, Barrett, let Cloud finish his story. And that's all she says. She's yeah, like, she let him actually say anything about let the story him finish. She doesn't, But then she doesn't answer the question whether it's true or not. She avoids yeah. it by going, he hasn't finished the story, so please let him finish. So yeah, so Cloud being emo, that is at the top of yeah, the iceberg. He's not emo, it's a persona he's putting on because he thinks it's cool and he's trying to lean into the mysteriousness of it. Yeah, very much so. So they're, 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 that's we've got some really big sky-worthy things covered. Now, Jake, is there anything you've heard lots of people say about Seven that is just blatantly untrue that you want to get off your chest? Well, I mean, I, I, I could start on the people that think Eight's better than Seven, but that's 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 more of a... That goes into the Seven is overrated, really. Because His Cloud didn't fuck his sister. <laughs> He was an emo. Um, I preferred Zidane. To be honest, we've covered the, the really big ones already. Like, we've, we've covered the typical popular things of, like, Cloud is emo. I suppose, actually, one to go into is people who think Zack's a better character than Cloud. Yes. So Zack is, is better than Cloud. Speak about Zack in the fucking original, Jake. Just just tell us who he is in the original game, what we see of him. He's, he's a character who is barely there in his own game. No, wait, hang on. Um... He he barely exists actually in the game. He he is a memory, and that is it. Yeah, that's all you fucking see of him. Because aside from the fact that you see Zach in place of Cloud when you actually get the true flashbacks of what happens, the only the only real interaction you get with Zach is Cloud remembering him effectively rescuing him and taking him back to yeah, Nibelheim. Yeah, the, the flashback that you get if you go back to the mansion. Yeah, and you see. You see Zack with Cloud in the back of that little truck and talking about what they're going to do when they get to Midgard. Yeah, we're going to be mercenaries. Just... We're gonna... I'm going to look after you, Cloud. We'll get you better. He's kind of like that. Yeah, he feels he's, responsible he's... for Cloud. And effectively, at that point, all Zack is doing is he's talking at Cloud because Cloud's a fucking vegetable at the time. Like it's, it's quite impressive, actually, when you think about it, that Cloud is able to actually remember some of these things despite his seriously fucking fucked state from the drugs and all the market So this is, this is the point where I think when Cloud is monged out on Mako and he's just, you know, he's like a cracker in the den. I think this is because there are changes happening to him physically inside and that's why he's clung to some of these memories and, and uh, remembers them so vividly because this was a time, this was him inside a cocoon essentially becoming, going from one thing and becoming the next. 
Yeah. So his memories of that time are strong, even though he is out of it because of the Mako. I think that is what does it. The, the fact that they've given him Mako has made these memories so vivid because it is the most pivotal moment in his life. It is something of a game changer. And other than that, obviously Aerith mentioned Zach because they dated briefly. When there's a question when he's like, did you love him? And she goes, oh, no, it was never that serious. So, again, original yeah, seven, they were never, they didn't know him, they didn't know each other that well. They really just met before he disappeared. It's like they might have spent a couple of days together. May not have even banged. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's never implied. It was never implied they that they were that serious about each other. Crisis Core does change a few things. But the original Zach is basically, like, he, one, he's a womanizer. So he is kind of a Lafario. He's got a, a whore on every port, like a sailor. Do you know what I mean? He he's been he, around. He's a he's, bit. he's a player. But it's only implied. Everything about Zach is just implied. So the only real part parts of Zach's personality that we ever get to see is the way Cloud pretends to be someone else. So when Cloud's like, "I'm in it for the money," and he's just like walking away, I don't care about your names. That that is how. But even that might not be what Zach's personality was. That's just how Cloud perceived Zach. You know? It's it's almost like the real Zach is not that well known. What Crisis Core does is ignore that and make him Goku. They they, they just they just gave you a shonen protagonist. I'm gonna do what's right. That's Yeah, it's all it about is. my friends and my friends soldier honor and Love will get me through. He's he's Sora. <laughs> Sora and Zach are so close character wise. Friendship do the right thing. So when I see people that hate on Kingdom Hearts, but then say Crisis Core is better than Seven, I look at them and go, have bullshit. Have you got brain damage? Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. You're lying. Like Yeah, no, I, I, I think there was a lot of retconning that happened in Crisis Core, which really didn't actually serve to enhance the story at all. It just muddied the waters further. It's fan fiction. Like, don't get me wrong. Because it's fan fiction levels of writing. It does not have any of the subtext or nuance of the original game. The, the problem with something like Crisis Core, they have to spell everything out for you. They can't let you think about it yourself. They can't let you come to your own conclusions, which 7 does really well. 6 is very good at that as well. I know you guys are not big 6 fans, but 6 will allow you to go, well, what was this person doing when this was going on? Why did this person allow this to happen? Like It lets you do some of that. And I, I think this goes down to Sakaguchi. I think it goes down to his influence. You know what other Final Fantasy game does that really fucking well? 14. 14 allows you to unravel the mysteries yourself. It doesn't fucking go, ta-da, this, 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 all happened and you understand it. You have to, one, you start up and the game is basically, there's been some memory loss because there was a universe that existed before that is gone. And like when you find out about the Asians, you really don't know much about them. You have to learn. And even now, and I'm playing Shadowbringers at the moment, you still don't fully know, I haven't finished it, you still don't fully know everything about the Asians. You don't know everything. And I'm talking like, what, 10, 10, almost 10 years or 9 years since the game came out? Since Around We're Born, like 2013 or when it come out? To, to be fair, the thing with Chaddy P though is he knows exactly where to put the information at the right times to give you just the right information to keep you wanting more, but give you more so that you know more at the right times and he knows he knows how to build a game that that man is a fucking and the story's just enough to keep you hooked to want to keep going as well yeah, the difference boy. between the difference between the writing in 7 
and the writing in Crisis Core is like watching Game of Thrones season one and then watching the last series and seeing just how fucking stupid this plot has got and how retconned and wanky and how obvious everything is. Well, they just spell it all out for you. There's no thinking. It's like that. You go from HBO levels of smart writing that you'd see in a TV show like The Sopranos or Oz or one of those or, or The Wire to Friends. Do you know what I mean? Like, it so, goes from... Same as with Zack's character in Crisis Core, when he turns up as a little cameo in Kingdom Hearts, it's the same fucking Zack. Yes. It's yeah. the same Zack because that's Namora's Zack. And Namora's version of Zack fucking sucks. It sucks. Because Namora's He's not... generic. Namora's just a fucking character designer on 7. And this cunt's out here fucking... He claims it as, like, his game now. And do you know what I mean? And it's just like, no, you've bastardized it. You bastardized it with Crisis Core that he was involved in that. He didn't write that, thankfully. Um, and he bastardized it through Kingdom Hearts. And I think that actually the decline of Square Enix completely in terms of game quality links to Kingdom Hearts coming out. I can see a cutoff mm. point with the first Kingdom Hearts and the decline yeah. in quality that we have not seen a game as good as 10 which a lot of people, I know people don't like 10, but 10's another one. 10's great. 10 does not spell everything out for you. 10 does not hold your hand with the plot. 10 doesn't let you know what Oren really knows. You have to figure it out through little things he says. You don't know who Tidus or what Tidus really is. You don't know any of this stuff. You have to uncover this fucking mystery. There's politics, there's intrigue. 12 does a bit of that as well. I think 12 is a game searching for its own identity. because Especially with them having... A, a main character who wasn't supposed to be the main character, who was kind of just shoehorned in along with his main love interest. Yeah. Like, I don't think I don't think 12 entirely knows what it was trying to do is but, the problem. But there are parts of 12 where that subtlety in writing is clearly present. But yes. obviously the game got fucked with. It's like uh, when you hear this stuff about movies where they just take a film and, and then a producer comes along and goes, change that. Fuck, change this. We're reshooting this. We're are reshooting you just, that. Are you Twelve just talking has... about the um, Justice League at this point. We're, yeah, <laughs> Twelve is Justice League. We need we need the final cut of Twelve. And then they made Revenant Wings and fucked it up even more. Yeah, because but the the problem yeah. is you see it a lot. Like think of the movie American Psycho. I read the book. The book is way better. I will say that. But the movie is very good. And then they made American Psycho two which included no one who worked on the first film, which was not linked to the book, which had different directors, which had Mila Kunis as the main character, who was a babysitter for someone that Patrick Bateman killed. And because he killed the babysitter but left her alive, she wanted to continue his legacy to understand it because she wants to get in the FBI to track down serial killers. What a complete pile of shit. And what does that have anything to do with the first film? It doesn't. That's what that is what Namora has done that, with Final the legacy. Was yeah, that is that is what Namora has done with the legacy of Final Fantasy VII. I mean, not not to sound entirely raggy. So what I will say for Crisis Core on the positive is some of the lore things in there were quite good. Like Minerva, for example, the the optional super boss you had to go through all three hundred missions. The lore behind Minerva is really cool. That that I thought was awesome. Oh, the one that killed you so hard it went through a phoenix down? Yes. Like, literally, it would kill you and the phoenix down wouldn't revive you. It was fucking nuts. Um, the, the additional characterization they gave to the Turks actually was really good. Like, the fact that you got to interact with a couple more of the Turks, the fact that you got to find out a little bit more about what they're actually doing, and the fact that, you know, like... Um, 
uh, fucking Sung says to Zack, we get paid better than you. And you that's because they're doing shady shit like hiding bodies. Like, not only are they pretty hard... See all like this mess you cunts make? See all the mess you cunts make? <laughs> we clean mate. it up. We're the cunts who clean it up. Yeah, we're, we're the cunts who put the bodies in the acid bath, all right? <laughs> Actually, thinking about characters from Crisis Core, from how you guys described it, like the flashbacks for from Cloud to Zack. Yeah. How he views Zack in his own mind is almost like more how Zack views Angeal. More stoic and very... Almost broody. In a way. In a way. <laughs> we did get a tweet in saying, people who couldn't understand the father-daughter dynamics between Barrett Wallace and Marlene, despite it clearly being explained in the fucking game. Uh, what? <laughs> Wait, there are people that don't get it? There are people that go, why is she white? Fuck. She's a Thompson! <laughs> <laughs> you clearly have only played the fucking remake. Fucking... Yeah, ah! or they've not play- or they not paid attention. Like I said, the people that don't understand a lot of what Cloud goes through... Didn't pay, pay attention. Fucking audible sigh. Um, so we, we'll just call this one Marlene. I think it's on the the tip of the iceberg rather than the sky. Yeah, they, but they, they literally, in the original game, have an entire fucking small arc in the ruins of uh, Corral, which fucking explain the entire situation of why Barrett got to the place he was in. They literally explain how he how came he got there, to how he lost Marlene. his arm, how he thought Dine was dead. Like this is all in existence, and in Dine's memory, he adopts his daughter. But then he Barrett is the kind of guy who's not leaving that child. That might not have been Dine's child. He might have found any. He might have found five random kids and he left in the rubble. He would have taken them. Do you know what I mean? He would have done that because that is who Barrett is. It wasn't just his guilt oh, that drove him to that. That actually, that actually makes me think of another one. A lot of people just think of Barrett as your big, stereotypical, gruff, angry black man, and that is not who he is at all. No, that if again, you know he puts character. on a, a facade too. A lot of a lot of what we see in Seven is people putting on facades. Cat uh, Seif. Or Katshi, however you want to pronounce it. I mean, Kate Sith. Kate, 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 <laughs> Kate Sith. But I think the Scottish terminology that's named after the Irish Catch, yeah, is Katshi. Yeah. Um, it is a lie. He, so it, he, he's a little fucking Androidy cat thing controlled by Reeve. Yeah, and he's just basically, I'm your he's friend, I'm your friend. And he's a spy. Aerith, it really doesn't open up much about how much she knows about the live stream. She, it, she keeps a lot of shit to herself. Her personality is very genuine. She's very bubbly. She's very she's very happy. It's it's almost. I'd almost I think she's protecting as, others from this shit. I mean, that's, that's true. That's what it is with her. I'd almost go as far to say that like part of her knows she's destined to die young. Not that she knows it's going to happen, but that's why she's so bubbly and so full of life because she's living the best life she can. I wouldn't say it's as far as you know she knew she was going to die. But it's almost like she did. It's well, that, that the, level of that, she's she's always living everything to the fullest the, at the, the time. The why won't my material work thing. Yeah. Like, I think she kind of knows that maybe it needs a sacrifice, but she's not 100% yeah, she, on she, it. She's not sure and she doesn't know these things. Because the bit like where she, she goes, seems to in remake. Because the bit where she goes missing and she goes to the temple of the... No, the... Uh, City, of, City the of the Ancients. At that point, she knows she's going to die. At that point, she's like, bye, see, comes to see Cloud in a dream. Actually, she's tapped yeah. into her abilities to come and see him. She's had an awakening after the Temple of the Agents and understands 
what she needs to do. But yeah. I don't think she knows this before. Now, in the remake, it appears that she knows this from day one. She's always known it. Her entire life, she's known she has to die. Yeah, and the, the more she says. comes in contact with those fucking plot ghosts, the more she seems to know. But yeah, everyone kind of lives under a facade in that game. Barrett puts on this, I'm a fucking big soldier for Avalanche, and I'm a terrorist, and I will fuck up everything, and I yeah. hate Shinra. When, when you get Rally right is, down... is a very kind person. Yeah, when you, get, when you get right down to it, he's a really cuddly bear. He's not. He's not a massive fucking angry stereotypical black. Man. I wouldn't say gentle giant because he'd still fuck you up in he'd a still fight. Fuck you up. gentle giant He is caring. I would say he is a gentle giant though, because when you actually see him with Marlene, he's so gentle and so loving and so caring, and he's like that with all his friends when he's not arguing with them. But like he's so protective and so thoughtful of all of them. That he's not he's not what people think he is in the big angry black man. As far as he's concerned, his friends were his family. Exactly. Yes. And yeah. family like, is what you make of it rather than blood to yeah. him. Even and from his own daughter. I, I would actually say like that's another thing that's influenced me quite a lot growing up because I'm very I'm very strongly of the opinion that family cannot just be your blood. Family is very strongly who you choose to give your time and effort to. It's a big trope of JRPGs that never gets picked up on, and that is the party dynamic of forming a group of people who end up caring for each other through combat, through the trials and tribulations they go through. And that is a big part of the hero's journey, you know, the classic Greek literature style hero's journey. But it is there, it's part of that dynamic. It is a. Um, a thing that's there but like we were saying about like people in Final Fantasy lying to themselves Tifa knows the truth about the Nibelheim incident but keeps her gob shut she, she just for Cloud's benefit she keeps her gob shut Admittedly, Yuffie is there to steal shit and lies about it yeah you know she does Admittedly, it like in the original game like I feel like they could have done a bit more to explain Tifa's miss yeah they the kind truth. of but then they need but, but then back then as well with the technology that reveal of what really happened, there's no room for too many hints in body language and shit because you can't see it. Well, you yeah, know? there is that. Whereas in the remake, you can see her sort of hang her head a little bit when Cloud says stuff. I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, see, there's, there's a lot more. Like, oh, okay, there's a lot more nuance yeah. to the characters, which is probably the only nuance you'd get in the fucking remake. <laughs> um, yeah, so that there, there's that. Um, and anything else for the tip of the iceberg? I suppose, I mean... Is it Aerith or Eris? Because <laughs> that one gets brought um, up a lot. It's no, both. It's, yeah. Basically, Eris is just the English translation because in original Japanese, it was Aerith. But then there's also the fact that they can't quite do S's right. It would have been Aerithu. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, that is it. That, that's what you always get some neckbeard come in and go, actually, it's Aerithu. It's Earth. In Japanese, and it's it's pronounced erisu. It's not erif or eris, and you're both wrong. There's always some tip you had, my lady, who comes along and does that like every time. But it but it is it is officially erif, regardless of all the jokes. And we will fucking we will jump in on the jokes because it's funny. But regardless of all the jokes, they have come out for the record, and this is irrespective of the remake in general. They came out for the record and said erif. That is. That is the name. That is it. So I've got one for the tip of the iceberg here. It's from someone else's one, and they've done it wrong, and that's why it's on. That's why I want it here. And that is that Genova is Sephiroth, and Sephiroth isn't actually uh, a problem. 
It's all Genova controlling him the whole game. It's Genova's goals that he's trying to do. None of them are his own. It is all him. So that is one. So we, no. we'll, we'll call that. We'll call it uh, Sephiroth is Genova. I mean, if a girl by Advent Children doesn't really matter. Sephiroth is apparently three people. Well, <laughs> well um, that that's a little bit different. Yeah, um, I know. I know. Yeah, the whole Loz, Kadaj, and Yazoo thing is is very different. Sephiroth very much has his own fucking agenda. So Sephiroth is his own person. He he actually takes the power of Genova in order to do the things he believes is right and what he thinks his mother wants. And like Genova isn't she's actually, an abstract idea to him. She's yeah, not real. She's not actually his mother. He just looks at it that way because a lot of what he has become is because of the cells of her implanted in him. Marco. But she's not actually his mother. And that that's one of the things that people don't seem to get. And when he gets put into the live stream, at that point, basically, the, like, the, the Genova cells are one of the things that keeps him from becoming part of the live stream like he's supposed to. Yeah. And because Genova has her own will, that stops the diffusion into the live stream. Then he starts to, t- to use the power of Genova to achieve his fucking twisted goal. Hojo goes, I always thought the reunion was people going towards Genova. I didn't realize the reunion was people going towards Seth. And here we are at the crater. Even Genova herself has returned to him. Yeah. Because that's why he's cut the head to take it back to him. All of it was about returning to him. It was never Genova in control. And Hojo at that point is like, I can't believe I was wrong. Yeah, Hojo is actually genuinely surprised. And yeah, like, I didn't like, see this coming. Fuck, I thought that the reunion would go to her, which is why she was in the Shinra building. That's why we had her, rather than it being here. It's him. It was him all along, because he's melded with the, the live stream. He, he's, he has basically tapped into the essence of the entire fucking planet. But some people, again... Skip shit. I'm, I'm, that's the only way I can say it. They, they've not yes. fucking played the game properly. Because a lot of the stuff we're going to bring up is people that are just like, how did you miss that? How did you miss that clear explanation? It's like, he talks for a lot at that point as well. And I think Tifa's like, shut the fuck up. So she's like, shut up. Because at, at that point, um, Cloud, Cloud talks to Hojo and asks him for a number. Because he just thinks he's an experiment at that point. But then he gets lifted up to where Sephiroth's body is. And then, you know, the rest of them are there. Cloud then gets obviously trapped in the live stream at that point. Yeah, hands him the black materia, yeah. And then yeah. But, and all the others escape, and that's that's the point where you don't have Cloud for a, a fair fair chunk of the game. Yeah, and all the weapons get released. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking good scene. That actually, with all the weapons going, that was cool. It's a shame you didn't get to fight the Jade weapon in the original game. That's that's the Turks fight that one, which is really interesting, and um, that you never get a chance to. Um, but I think I think you can briefly see the jade weapon in that scene. I think still. Um. So I've got I've got another one here which ties into that, and it's like who is who are Sephiroth's parents? Um, officially, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Lucrezia and Hojo. That's A not lot. Really to it. There's people who have their head cannon that it's Vincent. No. 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 And yeah, I think we'll go. I think we'll get into Vincent at another point. Yeah, Vincent but, gets murked. But yes, we'll, we'll put he's, up, we'll... he's dead when Sephiroth's born, isn't he? Yeah, he he he's he's base he basically is killed. He's coffined. Is, 
his body is experimented on and he becomes a vampire-like being. I wouldn't say actual vampire. More like a, un, like a revenant. He's undead. Yeah, an, an immortal one, of some sort, yeah. He has a lot of vampire aesthetics, which is what they were going for with the character, but he's not an actual vampire. He doesn't need to drink blood. Yeah, it's none of that shit. No. Yeah, because, I mean, he's asleep in the coffin for 40 years? It's a long fucking time, yeah. Because he's, like, in his 60s when you wake him up, so... Yeah. Um... Yeah, so Sephiroth's parents, I think that's a Sky one. I don't know how people are getting confused over this. The game does show you this stuff. Yeah. I think people just like to have the idea, because they look similar. There's a similar aesthetic between the two, Sephiroth and Vincent, but Vincent's a cup. Yeah. To be fair, though, you actually look at um, Hojo's character design, Lucrezia's character design, it, it kind of makes sense, because Hojo's quite a thin gangly fucker um sephiroth's actually quite a quite a thin gangly fucker really he's got more muscle than hojo but that's because he's a fucking beast and he's also a soldier he's a soldier um but then you look at the full-on hair of lucrezia um the the like pointy bangs she has are sephiroth's pointy bangs and the longer hair is the same as hers as well she, she has hers braided so we there is something we could address here did hojo banger or is it artificial insemination? I okay. So I think realistically, he probably artificially inseminated her because he's that kind of guy. The meme part of me would like to say he totally fucking banged that bitch. Well, he's a creepy cunt. When any when any time you see him actually talk to her, he is like, a, and like even when you see him on the beach with all the hose around him, like. He yeah. is like a fucking bit of a promiscuous ladies' man, this nerd. Fucking player. Yeah. I, 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 could, I could see him the whole time banging her just... <laughs> with that fucking creepy fucking laugh. And I, I could see him sort of like... Just the shit-eating grin. And he, he, even if he bangs her or not, he gets something out of shitting over Vincent. He really enjoys fucking this guy yeah. over. This measly little Turk who works for the fucking Shimra, who's just there on protection duty for the event or whatever it is. He really loves shitting him over. And he yeah, does I think believe he loves shitting everyone over, though. And he does believe that she, as a scientist, shouldn't belong to someone as lowly as him. There is a bit of that in there as well. Yeah, he, he's a very su- supremacy kind of person. He, he believes that if someone is more intelligent than he, someone he, else, they're he, more important. He is the Final Fantasy VII version of... Adolf Hitler. I mean, he's basically doing well, eugenics experiments, yeah. the cunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He is full on trying to make super soldiers. He's trying to make superior race. He believes that, like, he a lot of what Sephiroth says about the land being stolen from the ancients and shit, Hojo believes all that. Hojo believes that humans kind of fucked over this other race, but now he sees them as something to experiment on and something to do. So I think that's the end of the sky. I don't think anything else we can say here fits in the sky because the next one is about hojo that i'm going to bring up <laughs> and that is hojo wanting bestiality to yeah, but, take place yeah but hojo's into fucking everything hojo just wants everything to fuck everything he what? likes monsters man well, i just want him fucking red 13 to bang airs that's yeah. what he wants to do because he sits there and goes whatever the offspring is this is how twisted he is they're not even genetically compatible i don't know what the fuck well i mean in all fairness, we never actually find that out. We never find out whether they are genetically compatible or not because they rescue them just in the nick of time. But then Red 13 is like, I was never going to do anything. I was just putting on a show. But like, 
Yeah, we I, don't, I, we I don't just actually find out if they are compatible. Well, it, or not. it depends. So yeah, so we'll mark that down and we'll just put it that like um, Aerith X Red Thirteen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like you would do on where? Rule Thirty Four when you <laughs> type that in. Where are we putting that one then? Uh, I would say that's on the tip of the iceberg. Still tip. People, right? people know it's just the tip. Red rocket's uh, red tip. He tried to get his red rocket out. His red tip came out. But there is another one with with him as well. Is is he a is he a canine or a feline? That's one that people get very confused about with him. Canine. I'm I'm pretty sure he's canine. Yeah, he calls himself a lab rat dog. So, but he also has a lion's mane, and he has feline esque features too. I would say his design is <sighs> yeah. literally to be both. I think he is meant to be. I, I think you meant to look at him and go dog cat. Cat, mix of both yeah like mix of both I think that's yeah I, I suppose I suppose when you put it with the fact that he does have a lion's mane and he kind of has like a lion's tail with a flame at the end instead of a tuft of fur yeah that that is very lion but then he howls cat. like a wolf and even his hind legs are more dog like more dog like than more dog like than say you know a feline or anything like that because he has that sort of spiny bony leg at the back um, but he has yeah. the jumping ability of a cat like he leaps up shit and He's, he's as agile as a cat rather than a dog. A cat's a little yeah. bit more agile. Like, uh, but then he isn't, he's got, he's definitely do- got dog's feet. So are we going to draw a line? What is he? If you were going to say he was one or the other, what is he? Red I, 13 I'd, is I'd a... say he's more canine. Yeah. I, I'd still lean towards canine more than feline. It's irrespective of the look. I, I would probably. Yeah. He's got, he's got like a dog line, like a, like he doesn't look like a cat. But he does kind of look a bit like a lion mixed with a dog. Yeah. Um, I've got going on a date with Barrett rather than Tifa oh, and Aerith. That's, ca- that's down. canon. That's, that's down, canon. motherfucker. Well, it, it can happen, yeah. It depends on your options. If you give the flower to Marlene, there's a few things. Who you take when you leave Midgard, you take Barrett. And, um, I, will, I actually will say, the little nod they did in the remake, like... The the Aerith one is a bit shit because they lean very heavily into the idea that she knows what's coming. That side of things I'm not such a big fan of. The Tifa one's quite good because it shows Cloud trying to be cool and he's really not, but he's trying. The Barrett one, I would argue, is the best scene of all three because you get a really heartfelt conversation between Cloud and Barrett and a really good discussion with Barrett about some of the other members of Avalanche. I actually think, because technically to get that scene in the remake you have to fuck everything else up um but the the Aerith scene is the worst of the three there's a part in it where i think the writing is fantastic in Aerith's one and it's the bit where she goes don't fall in love with me but this is before you know what they're fucking trying to do with the remake so at that point you think are they getting flashes of their future? You don't quite understand what's going on. And she's at the flash of like, I'm not going to be here. So you can't fall in love with me. And it kind of hits you with like, fuck, that's dark. But when you get to the end and there's time shit and fuck and all timelines and stuff, you're like, you fucked it. You fucked it. Yeah. But when you first point, when you first play that game and you hear that bit, I remember thinking, this is fucking incredible. This scene is incredible. That line, not the whole scene, that line. Um, I think Tifa's one, she she kind of bears it all to Cloud in that moment, which yeah. is I, I that's a good one. It's much yeah. better than the Aerith one overall. And like I said, Cloud trying to be cool and kind of failing a little bit in that scene is actually quite genuine, and I like that. But again, I think Barrett's is the strongest of all three. I didn't Just, I didn't realize you could get Barrett in that scene. Yeah, no, you can. Basically, you have to fuck up almost everything that you can do with the other two. Like 
you have to not do any side quests at all. If you're doing a speed run of it and not doing the side quests and just going from story beat to story beat, yeah, like you don't you don't get enough favor with either of the two female characters to get them in that scene, and you just get back. That's kind of cool. Yeah, even though it's the it is the you fucked it scene, I think it's the best one. And again, in the original game, you have to alienate all of the female characters. Yeah, you have to not have like, but the original game, much like the remake, it's easier to get tick points with Aerith than anyone else. Yeah, she's. I think she's the one you're supposed to. She's the technically canon scene. Yeah. If you take Yuffie, do you get arrested? <laughs> no. No. With to be fair though, the the date scene isn't a sexual one. It's actually quite platonic, no matter who you're with, even if there are romantic undertones. Yeah, the only one that implies anything is uh, when Aerith says to Cloud, I want to meet you. And he's like, but I'm right here. And she goes, no. <laughs> I want to meet you. And then it blacks out. And you're like, she wants to fuck him. <laughs> she wants to be... I would like there's... to see your buster sword. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's two ways of see- seeing it. Like, she wants to be intimate with him is one way. Or she knows he's lying to himself. So it's it's... It's one or the other. It can be implied as both. But again, and it could be both. But it, she... go, it goes into the into the thinking for yourself what might really be happening. But there. then I suppose with those kind of scenes, the one thing that struck me, especially in the remake, is that Aerith never makes any notion to the fact that she knows who the Buster Sword belongs to. So in the original Seven, the fact that he has the Buster Sword, and they never go into detail about its history like they do in Crisis Core, we don't even know because it's the sword you sling away, like. I mean, well, you can't get rid of it. It's the only one you can't sell for Cloud is yeah. the Buster Sword. There's only two weapons in the game you can't sell, which is Barrett's initial gun and Cloud's initial yeah. sword. And then it because obviously it means something to them, that is Barrett's original graft after losing his friend. That's yeah. why you can't get rid of it. The Buster Sword he got off of Zach. Zach, that's why you can't get rid of it because it does mean something to him. It has got a plot point to it, so you don't get rid of it. Would the original Zack have ever had his weapon out around Aerith. I mean, I mean, his cock maybe, but <laughs> not his, not his. I, I actually think he would have done because realistically, that weapon was a big part of his personality. So I'm going on a date with a chick, and I best bring a sword along. That is when you get the fucking mate, cops pulled on you, mate, mate. If I lived in a world like that. I wouldn't be out in a street without a fucking maybe, weapon. Maybe. I'd, I, I would be worried I'd be getting mugged. I'd take a fucking great big sword with But me. also, we don't know when he got it in terms of the original Seven. So he may have got that sword after he last saw her. There was a lot with Crisis Core that I don't think goes that deep. And and I think we need to get it out of the way while we're, while we're on the tip or on the level just below. Such as things like Genesis being at the reactor scene. In Nibelheim. <sighs> fucking Genesis is such a shit character. Crisis cause fuck-ups. And, and they do it in Dirge of Cerberus with the fucking fights and shit. Like, they literally just introduce shit that makes no sense. My, my biggest problem with a lot of the compilation is the fact that there are now four distinctly different versions of the Nibelheim incident. Because in the original, you've got effectively the original you know you find out that zach was there and got beaten by sephiroth tifa was stabbed cloud saves her that's that's pretty much that then obviously the turks and hojo come in and take everyone away and cover it all up in before crisis you have more turks present you have one of the turks which you're playing at the time is actually at the nibelheim incident hidden around the corner yeah Yeah, watching what's happening that's more believable but still is adding more people to it 
you've got the Crisis Core version where Genesis is there doing stuff as well, which completely goes out the fucking window because uh, there's another one. Original, before Crisis, Crisis Core. There, there's one more. T- oh, the um, Cartoon, Last Order, the anime, the Last, Last Order, 28-minute short. Um, that one, that one is more in line with the Before Crisis one, because I think they infer that there's more Turks around at the time. So, what is the first big inconsistency in the compilation in the original game? I'm, we've Genesis. already spoken. Is, no, is Zach. Zach is the biggest inconsistency, but we've already discussed that, so we don't really need to discuss Zach too much anymore. No. Like his personality is not the same as what we see. Uh, if you like. Zach, I suggest watching Bleach. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you probably like Ichigo. Uh, play Kingdom Hearts. Play some Kingdom Hearts. Um, Stop before three because three was a shit show. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you and that's Hacker coming show. from I the mean, biggest Kingdom Hearts fan among us. There's plenty of stuff yeah. that you would enjoy. You, you Hacker Show. I like it. I do like it. I love Goku. Rave Master. Yeah, these stuff. These exist. These these shonen. You know, <laughs> it was quite an obscure one. Shame it's quite short. Good old Monkey D Luffy. Well, you've got to call him D, because imagine what he can do with it. Oh, I mean, his ability is to stretch, so that's why he's called Monkey D, Luffy, because he's got this stretchy <laughs> dick. This motherfucker can tie you up. You know the Japanese fucking uh, sex tying up fucking art? He does that with his cock and enters them at the same time. F- full-on Shibari cock. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Shibari dong. Oh, because didn't Rave Master go on to become fa- um, Fairy Tale? Uh, no, Rave Master, it's the same person who makes... It, it's the same uh, author and creator. So, same art style and everything. And the character Plue turns up in both. But Rave Master, Rave Master and Fairy Tale aren't actually the same. And I'm not going to shit on Naruto or anything. I'm not going to shit on Shonen. I think it has its place. And sometimes it can be very good. And I'm not a big fan of Naruto. So, watching the final battle between Naruto and Sasuke later, later on. And the fact that it is mirror for mirror the same as their first time they fought each other brilliant that's brilliant writing because it's a callback and and they're both exhausted and find each other incredibly smart as way of doing things as not quite a, fan, a big fan as quite a big fan of naruto i've always been quite big on it um i actually think that that scene in particular is fucking phenomenal because as, like you said with the parallels between their first fight and that fight like that that actually evokes a very strong emotional response from the people who were invested in it yeah. but aside from that you've also got the fact that the two of them keep fighting past that point, past their limit, to the point where they are literally running on fumes. You They're get... almost powerless at that point. They've gotten their abilities of, they've waned themselves down to yeah, they've punches used, and kicks. They've like expended simple, all their yeah. energy. They've expended all their chakra. And at that point, like you've gone from the start of the fight, which is them just lamping each other a couple of times, into the really big, ridiculous, over-the-top, flashy ninja magic yeah, the, stuff. The, yeah, the Dragon Ball-esque shit you, you yeah, expect and they're to see. flinging themselves around like nobody's business. And then they start to wind down as they're running out of all their energy, to the point where they just lamp each other a few more times. And then they're, they're exhausted at the end of the fight. And I think... Especially for the culmination of a series, that's a fucking and, phenomenal. And, and there is a lot you can say negatively about the plot of Naruto purely because of all the filler. I mean, the filler takes away a lot, but that scene, yes. their final fight against each other, you're a moron if you think it sucks. I'm not even a fan of Naruto. I, I found too much of watching the Naruto felt like they lifted scenes and ideas from Dragon Ball, which is my favorite of the shonens. However, there are glimpses of pure genius in that show, and that scene is one of them. 
Unfortunately, the the manga is much better because you don't get all the filler. You get all the character building with none of the shitty filler. But the other thing for for Naruto, which I would say has over Dragon Ball Z, is the characterization is better across a wider cast. Like Dragon Ball Z tends to explore the same cast quite a lot. And they'll explore them in more different situations than most other anime would. Yeah, whereas people like Rock Lee actually gets an arc. And when you look at Dragon Ball and you go, well, Krillin gets fuck all, right? You know, <laughs> do you see what dead. I mean? Like, he gets dead a lot. He gets dead. Krillin does get to bang 18. Exactly. Like, yeah, well, who needs an arc when you're having that bounce on you? But that is like, true. Naruto does characters very well. And all of the characters are very individual, very unique. And there's very little... There's very little time where you'll go, this character and this character are just carbon copies of each other. Every character is very distinctly unique from another character. But yeah, if you like Crisis Core, you should be watching Shonen or reading Shonen. Yes. You really no, should because it is... And, and um, again, people see that as an insult. I myself do like Shonen. I don't think it sucks. I think that like with, like we were talking about Naruto or, or Dragon Ball, or, as I mentioned, uh, Yu Yu Show hunter x hunter like these are really good things but if you like zach then you're gonna like gone in hunter x hunter you're going to like his character because that is it's that pure soul i will do what's right kind of naive i believe in my friends i believe in my my friends friends character um that zach is and if you think he is better than cloud and you like a character with not much nuance and you like a character that is just a pure-hearted good guy, then you should be watching Shonen. And as I said, one of my favorite characters of all time is Goku. And he is a pure-hearted good guy who loves his friends and family and always wants to do what's right. Admittedly, However, he's not my favorite fucking character in Dragon Ball because Vegeta is. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Vegeta's fair. amazing. Because Vegeta's arc is going from a shit to a hero, but he never loses the edge of being a shit. Yeah, to, to be fair though, part of the reason Goku's pure-hearted is because he's thick as shit. He's too stupid to but be selfish. That's the same though, right? Because Gon in Hunter x <laughs> Hunter is thick as shit. Zack Fair is thick as shit. I mean, he's a moron. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a dumbass. Obviously, it's not like in Fallout where you've got to do the special and you've got to like, know where you land. <laughs> you know, yeah, Zack Fair, when he joined Soldier, literally got Janitor as his, <laughs> as his thing. <laughs> like... I'll be, I'll be totally fair, and I'll be totally reasonable at this. I'm a huge 7 fan. The original is my favourite game of all time. I will shit on Crisis Core quite happily, because I don't think it's up to the standard of the original. No. But I will go ahead and say I enjoyed Crisis Core. Especially as someone who likes anime, including shonen anime, I did enjoy Crisis Core. But I recognise that there is a lot of poor writing between it and the original because they retcon so much and don't adhere to certain things the original did. And there are some moments as well with Crisis Core. Knowing Zack's ultimate fate, they were brave enough to not weaver from it like they are doing with 7R. Yeah. The fact knowing that- his ultimate fate, there are parts in it where he's like, oh, we're friends and I really want to see you again because you're my friend and, and uh, Kinsel or whatever he's called. And he's talking yeah. to these guys and like, you're like, you're never going to see these people again. And those moments are fucking horrible. And and those are the moments in Crisis Core that are brilliant. Those are the moments that Crisis Core needs recognition on its story for. Because understanding that Zack is going to die, and they do not shy away from it, knowing... They lean very well into it, actually. I'll yeah, give them that. Yeah, and, and, and watching him interact with people, the Turk girl, and like he, he's Obviously never going yeah, yeah. to fucking see him again. 
He is never going to see these people he's made friends with again. And we know this. So when you're watching him have fun, when you're watching him on the beach, even though I knocked it, when you're watching him like with these people and enjoying himself, you're like, you're still going to die. And it makes those scenes hurt a little bit. Like, they, they do a very, very good job of showing that he's a character taken before his time. By keeping him alive in the remake, it takes all of that away. It actually ruins Crisis Core, even though Crisis Core wasn't the best to begin with. But it ruins Crisis Core. The weird thing is, right, there is a section of fans who want Zack to be alive, and they are all Crisis Core fans. But when I talk to people that say Crisis Core is their favorite from the Seven franchise, none of them want him to be alive. It's weird, right? When when I talk to people like... um, Doomed Dog, Joshua Doomed on Facebook. Yeah. He Crisis Core is what he sees as his favorite from Seven. He really likes Zack. He doesn't want Zack to be alive. Do you know what I mean? The like, thing is, is that without his death, what drives Cloud at that point? What drives Cloud? What drives Zack? Like, Zack comes to an end because he has backed himself into a corner and has died as a result. And refuses to stop fighting for what he believes in. That is part of the thing. Yeah, that's part of the Shonen stuff. And that's the great stuff about his character. And that is even in the original. When he runs away with Cloud, even though he doesn't fight, he's running away with Cloud going, I will fucking protect this little mushroom that's come along with me. This bubbling cauldron of vegetables. He's coming along with me because without him, I'd be dead. Without him right now, without him doing what he did, I'd be dead. And I will not let this guy down. And and he knows he was in his hometown. And he fucking hid because he was embarrassed. Zack knows all this stuff about Cloud. Well, yeah, we have to, really. So even in the original, he knows all this stuff. And there is an honor to Zack in the original. Like, the, the honor in him is he's a bit more roguish. But he has honor in... I'm, I'm thinking more like a Belmont in a Castlevania. That kind of honor, right? To his job, to his core. He has more of that. Crisis Core makes it more of a like, I am soldier and I must protect my cum. You know, he's, he's more like that. <laughs> but in... I just, I just think that by, by keeping him alive, they've completely taken away the strongest and best things he does yeah. in Crisis Core. And they absolutely throw it in the face of everybody who loves what that did. Yeah, like even if you're if you're a more of a Crisis Core fan over the original, I can't see why you would ever be happy with his sacrifice being turned into nothing. Like his sacrifice, his sacrifice is this key part of his character. It's a little bit like with, uh, talking to Shonen, with Vegeta. I mean, obviously Vegeta is a very different character. But in the Boo saga, when Vegeta dies to try and kill Boo so he can save his son... And he knocks Trunks out because Trunks won't leave him. And he kills himself and he blows himself up. And he goes to heaven rather than hell. Even though all the bad shit he's done. Because in that moment he sacrificed himself for the greater good. That is a touching moment in Dragon Ball. And they do fuck it up by bringing Vegeta back. It's the same with Zack. Like, I cannot be glad that Zack is back in any capacity. Because that sacrifice is the moment you see what a hero he truly was. That's, That's what it is. Because, and it, it, that kind of goes into the, the thing they, they do in Deadpool 1, the movie, where they say being a hero isn't every day. You don't wake up a hero. You don't brush your teeth a hero. A hero is the four or five moments where you choose to do something truly heroic. And that's, that's Zack's biggest moment as a hero. I, I, just, I think it's insulting to keep him alive because it completely invalidates it. 
And I just, I think, especially for people who are big fans of Crisis Core, they, like, especially the ones who think Zack, it's great that he's alive in the remake, I, I think they should be more upset by that. So, because of how it completely fucks his character arc. We're going to draw a line under that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, we've spoken about Zack in Crisis Core, and Crisis Core in general just messing with stuff. But we do need to draw a line here now on a new topic, which is probably on that under under the tip. Tumblr. Because a lot of this shit that we are discussing... Porn? No, a lot of this shit we are discussing about Zach and the love for him and the people who are happy and ecstatic for him to be alive come from these weird Tumblr fucking fan art, fan fucking fiction cunts. And that is... We that's something you got a promo on because these people are I'm, I'm they are retarded. I'm not even going to mince my words. These people, these Tumblr esque people, the people that are like, oh my god, there's one. It's called there's one on Twitter called uh, Angel supports LGBTQ rights. That's the name of the character, and all he does is type stuff on or she. I don't know their gender or identity, and they they say stuff like. Hey, Zach, do you want an ice cream? And he's like, sure, Angel, I'd love an ice cream. What flavor? Chip, mint chop chip or, or tutti frutti? And he's like, give me both. And then he goes, such a Zach move. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? What is this shit? I mean, Angel doesn't support LGBTQ because um, he's dead. <laughs> um, honestly, like, I, I imagine... And Jill probably wouldn't have had a very strong opinion either way, because I I I don't think he was really in and Jill's, and those Jill's types of communities. And, and Jill's character is based it's based on the um, traditional values and character of a samurai. And Jill is the antithesis of a samurai warrior working for um, his, his overlord, working working for the person in charge of him, working for his emperor or whatever, working for his clan, his his house. So it would have been, is it part of the mission? No, no. don't care. No. And if the boss said, kill them because I don't like them because they're gay, did he does it? Because that's who he is. It's not, it's a very weird thing. But this person, honestly, I, please check them out on Twitter. They're called Angel Supports LGBTQ Rights. And everything they comment on Twitter is the, the biggest cringe. You know, it'd be like Genesis is reading Loveless again. Zach looks over at him and goes, really? Reading that poem again? And Genesis goes, you don't know how deep this is. And that's his tweets. That's his tweets. That's what this person... And he gets hundreds of fucking retards going, woohoo, I love it. Cringe. Since Tumblr banned porn, all the weirdos have left. Uh, no, Tumblr hasn't banned porn. I can still find loads of it. You, <laughs> you can, but technically it's banned. And if someone reported it, it gets taken down. Yeah, true. Twitter, you can literally see a girl taking it up the arse and, and no one yeah. bats an eyelid. Like, I, I will admit, it was funny in Crisis Core where you could find like the fan clubs of all the characters and you get all the mail about them and the one where it mentions the fact that Sephiroth has to use an entire bottle of shampoo on his hair because it's that fucking long. But while that's funny, it's like, you don't really need to spin that out into your entire fucking Tumblr, Tumblr Twitter thing. That's just that's, creepy. Yeah, that's weird. Get, get laid, please. Uh, no, wait, don't. We don't need more of you. Humor is subjective, but there is some... I've made a few memes. I've actually got a meme and it's an experiment. So you're going to hear it here first. And it says, Cloud posts a selfie 
And then, you know, the reaction meme? And this is my reactions. So all the heart reactions are like Mucky and um, fucking Andrea and people like that. And then the like reactions are like Aerith just gives it a like. Do you know what I mean? Tifa gives it the fucking hug react, the care react. Yeah. Barrett is just like a like. Um, Sid gives it the fucking angry react. Right? <laughs> you know? So is this me? I haven't posted it yet. And I've done it as an experiment because I think it's going to be the biggest meme I post on the page because of how basic it is. Do you know what? That because of how normy tear it's it is. Yeah, it's 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 and it's yeah. it's it makes sense to the characters. I'm not trying to like not make sense to the characters, but the idea that people think about Final Fantasy characters like they off to Central Park in Friends and fucking have a chat that is fucking bizarre. Because these are warriors. These are people at war. These are people in a fucking horrible situation, and these cunts are asking if they like sushi or not. Of course, Zach orders the dragon rolls. Ha 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 ha. I'm sorry, that, that's all the appropriate. That, that, the friends, that fucking Final Fantasy yeah. VII friends, that shit, <laughs> that Tumblr-esque nonsense fucking sucks and I hate it. Sorry, it was just, just appropriate because I actually happened to have found the seven seven friend friends. Yeah, I, I actually forgot they existed when I said it. When yeah. I brought up friends, it should just be called beta males. Because every <laughs> single one of those guys... Even Joey, when he's like, yeah, I fuck a lot of girls. He's dumb as fuck. He's a beta. Ross is a simp and a cuck. Yeah. And Chandler is basically this, like, soy-drinking beta male uses sarcasm to deflect and is probably closetedly gay. So, like, they are all betas. But he friends. isn't Fallout, though. So that's a plus. But even the dad, like, Ross's dad is just like a fumbling fucking moron. Like, and any time you like do... Like father, like son. Anytime you do get, like, a fucking character in Friends who is an alpha... Like Magnum fucking PI, PI, yeah, turns up with his tash, and he's fucking banging Monica in it, and and they're like, he's too old for you. So there's still something wrong with him. Ah, oh, he's too old. He's too old. He's he's the same age as your dad, and he's your boyfriend. And like they're, they're still doing this shit. They still yeah, have to shit on the right. men in that show. And and so many people grew up in the nineties and two thousands watching that. That is why we got so many soy boys, friends. People base their characters characteristics on one of those three guys. And they wonder why their life is shit. And if you bring your friend's humour to Final Fantasy VII, I'll slap you one. <laughs> okay, so like I said with the meme, it's not... There's no nuance, there's no smarts, there's no there's no grit, edge, nothing. It's just it, how it's, they react. It, it's soft, and Karens would like it. And that is <laughs> that is what I see from these Tumblr posts, and the, these type things. And, and Final Fantasy Tumblr is the worst, and Seven has the worst Tumblr fans. So... We've done Tumblr. We have to talk about shippers. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, shippers. I actually have a bit of a problem with a lot of shippers because I think when you want two characters to end up together, if it makes sense for the characters in the story, it's fine. But it's these fucking weird crack shippers who must be on crack when they want certain characters to end up or they make fan fictions about some characters. I've seen some fucking weird ones like any female character and Hojo. Why? There's that ones is... of any female, female character and Red 13. Yeah, well, that's because there's a lot of furries around. Come on. Hey, Chris. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's there's a line between furry and bestiality. Yeah, but it's Red the furries 13's... who want it, is what I mean. True. <laughs> But it's like there's a, like going from on a ten standpoint. There's Kimari, who is a animal like person, furry. Yeah, Kimari's very Red on the Thirteen, furry. who is an actual animal. 
We <laughs> yes. That's not but, someone trying to bang Kate Seath. Yeah, but, yeah, but how, how many... Yeah, but that's a robot. That's something completely different. Robodong. Robodong. But it's ha- also a puppet. Yeah. How, how, many, how many of them, though, how many of them do you think have their own Red 13 fursuits? Come on. <sighs> and they've come on them, probably. Oh, that, God. Yeah. Like, sh- shipping... No. I, I think shipping is fine if you've got a valid reason to believe those characters actually have something to them like, and to their relationship. Like Tifa and Earth, because it's hot. Well, that that's that's, yeah, but that's more all, rule thirty four than yeah. Shipping. That's that's mainly for the pawn. Although, admittedly, the 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 dynamic between the characters is a lot closer than in I find than in the original, which makes more sense because you know they're more likely to have quite a good relationship being surrounded by a lot of fucking blokes. But some some people latch onto it, and it doesn't make sense in the grand context of things. If people are like. Cloud and Tifa should end up together. That's a logical shipping because it makes sense for the characters in the story. They do fuck under the high wind. Yeah, but so even though he's besotted with Aerith and he is besotted with her, she's dead. You well, can't fuck yeah. a corpse unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, Hojo would, but you, you, it's some of the weirdos where there's any female character and Hojo is their ship. It's like why there it's are people out there like that, but they're less common. The most common is crack the, shippers, though. The, mo- the most common is the Clotty V's Clarif. They will get each other banned off social media platforms. They will bait each other into maybe saying something homophobic or racist. Like they go at each other. It's not necessary. And it and it's more the Tifa side than it is the Aerith side. I don't know why that is. But those people, they tried to cancel our friend, the Night Sky Prince. They tried to cancel him. They went through his, like... Basically, they were saying he was a racist, even though he's a black guy with an Asian girlfriend. It was very strange. <laughs> they were trying to call him a racist. No, he's not black. And he's like, no, he is. He just, just like... Just because he's pretty. They're like, what are you talking about? To, like, to... <laughs> that, you must be racist if that's... Do you know what I mean? If you go, well, you must have every characteristic on this caricature of a black man that I think of. Otherwise, you're not black. That's racist. That's racist. That is, that is the antithesis of fucking racism. I just want to say, these people can fuck right off because yes. Ryan's a lovely bloke so leave him the fuck alone they went after Unaleska the streamer like, they went after so many fucking people like I, I I want to talk directly to some of these fucking shippers they're probably not listening to this type of content anyway but fuck it like if you like the idea of a couple of characters being together that's great that's fucking wonderful but keep it to your fucking self don't bully people over it like I, I'll be the first to admit I actually think the idea of Cloud and Tifa ending up together is quite good. The same as Cloud and Aerith ending up together. They're both. There's a canonical reason why one won't happen, though. Yeah, there is. There is a canonical reason it cannot happen, and the way Cloud's emotions go throughout the original game, either one is actually a valid object of his affections, and there can be solid arguments made for either character being the one that he's actually in love with. But that's. That goes down to your own personal interpretation, your personal preferences, who you like more, and that's fine. But don't bully other people over your preference. In hell, from the remake, now Jesse is an option. Yeah. To be to be fair though, I quite like that. That might be yeah, the one I choose too. Jesse could like... be if I was personally, I think I'd choose her. <laughs> so there is do we talk about, before we start going into the doldrums, because I don't think this is that deep down into the list, do we talk about on an, ad- an amendment to shippers and to fanfiction 
and Tumblr and all this shit. Do we mention Rule 34? I mean, I'm down with a bit of Rule 34. Fucking hell. Tifa might be the most popular Final Fantasy Rule 34 character of them all. Lulu probably being a close second. Tifa is number one, right? I mean, there is so much Tifa porn online. So... Yeah. Oh, my. It's Chris a wank- is happy about it. He's just mate, sitting there smiling mate. to himself like... It is a wanker's paradise. <laughs> right Indeed. If you didn't bash one out to the original fucking tit job Tifa video, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, boy. In the OG. Back in the day, everyone had to go on that. At least once. And then a lot of people might have found that and been like, whoa. Hentai, what the hell is this? Cartoon porn? I didn't oh, know mate, that existed. Mate. What the fuck? How many eyes do you reckon that opened to hentai? That that video? Yours? Me? <laughs> I'm, I've, I've, I'm not even ashamed. I've said before, I'm quite happy to admit that I like a bit of fucking Rule 34. I like a bit of hentai. I mean, I can't really say anything on the group degenerate, so... I mean, if you are, if you are in our Discord, you will know that Chris will post every day hentai every day. Not quite every day, but normally it's either me or Scott. I should I should post some of mine at some point because I do have several thousand images in my phone. Yeah, I've got fourteen thousand. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but not all of that's hentai though. Only about yours, a thousand of it is memes. Yeah, but yours is mixed in with memes. Because I can't separate them like your phone can, which is annoying. yeah, boy. <laughs> I should see if I can actually, because that would make things so much easier. Yeah, it would. It would a lot. Yeah. So Sorry. We, yeah, we're, we're, no, we're no, 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 no. Anyway, we're being perp, so so rule rule forty thirty four goes on. The uh, that level just below the tip. Yeah, it does. So now we start getting into stuff that is a little bit deeper. And the first one I want to bring up is the cutting room floor. Oh yeah, stuff that got left out of the original. Stuff that got taken out of the original. A lot of it was reused. Shit, Parasite Eve. Yeah. A lot of it ended up in Parasite Eve. Some of it ended up in Xeno Gears. A lot of it ended up in Final Fantasy VIII. The first one that comes to mind is Cloud was originally meant to be called Joe. And he was meant to be a detective in Neo, New York. We have that. And he was meant to be tracking down someone who, uh, Genova, who was spreading her cells via, uh, like, a disease. A quick, a quick wank on, you know, yeah. on the bus. That part of the game li- literally became Parasite Eve. I'm kind of glad it did. Uh, Sephiroth and Aerith being brother and sister was originally planned for the game. And the reason they had no memories for each other is because they were in an orphanage together with a sorceress in charge, which became part of Eight's plot, which were a key part of Eight's plot, and that originally yeah. came from Seven. Um, the Xeno Gears crossover is more like they pitched Xeno Gears for Final Fantasy Seven. They looked into it and went, "No, that's nah. not. That's too adult." So Xenogears is quite dark at points. Seven can be dark. Xenogears yeah. is darker. Uh, they went, we'll just let you make your own game with this. So there's lots of yeah, stuff you, like that. You go from the side. You you do that. Then we'll... again, it wouldn't be the first time that a big game has come out of cutting room floor material. I mean, Devil May Cry was originally going to be Resident a Evil. Resident Evil, yeah. It was going to yeah. be Resi 4. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, like um, Dante was going to be um, Leon. Uh, what With a sword? Yeah. But Shit. basically, it went so far off the rails. They went, "It's going to be its own game." Fuck it. Yeah, yeah they've done. It well, and, be, really. well, I mean, if you look at the original Resi Two, you had uh, Urza, whatever she was called, like a completely different character for Claire in the in the driving suit. And I don't even think Leon was in it. I think it was meant to be another guy. So they were making they were making a completely different game for Resi Two, and they were making a story with the character they decided that was Leon 
that ended up becoming Devil May Cry, and that was meant to be something else, and they ended up going... Because originally Devil May Cry was meant to be a PS1 game as well. Yes. So and they went, the hardware can't handle this. Yeah, so we'll they were like, the we, can't, we can't do any of this. So Resi 2 changed and shifted, and Devil May Cry became a PS2 game, and it just split and went off I in mean, its own direction. I'm kind of glad it did, because Devil May Cry is fucking awesome. Yeah, boy. <laughs> no, it, it's great, but there, it's weird to think that Leon's personality was meant to be the brash, cocky Dante, and then what we end up seeing as Leon is nothing like it. He's almost a bit of an incel, right? He won't hit on chicks. He, he's got he's, he's simps for fucking Ada. He avoids Claire. He's like... Oh, no, until the later games. Like, the later games, Leon kind of finds his... Bravado, yeah, once I he suppose. gets older, but fuck me, the guy's like a twenty-eight-year-old virgin or whatever he is, and fucking. Well, in Resident Two, he is meant to be a newbie, newbie cop, so he is like new to the whole scene. Yeah, true. Whereas but... everyone else in Stars has already established and well, knows what the well, fuck they're doing. You know his original Stars. story as well, right? The reason he's not there that day is because he's got an alcohol problem, and he woke up hungover, and, and he woke up, up late to the party, and was late, and that's why he didn't make his own fucking welcome day. That's right, people. If corporations start getting too big for their boots and you start hearing weird shit on the news... Just drink have more. a hangover. Yep, Get drink drunk. more. <laughs> but, but when you play Resident Evil, it actually kind of makes sense because why the fuck was he at his party? There's no explanation for it. There's no explanation for why he wasn't there. Why the fuck were all the balloons up and everything, like, 24 hours before... What, 24 hours before he's meant to arrive? Yeah. They put all this shit up? No, they wouldn't have done that. It was done hours before he was meant to arrive. Maybe the same day. Uh, and they when, never explained when, when you go in and go to one of the desks, you can find an upgrade for his fucking pistol because someone was going to give it to him for, as, as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it's quite funny that they've got the extra letter from the fuck up in the original game. They've yeah. got the extra letter just sat on the desk. So yeah, so like, so Resi 2 is another example of it. But I mean, there's stuff like from the cutting room floor for 7. There's rumours that there were some songs that Iamatsu wrote that didn't get used that ended up in 8. And there are some songs in 8 that sound very, very close to songs in 7. Very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, okay. But then it's the the problem is, who's saying that Iamatsu didn't have stuff left over from 6 that didn't get used? Like, this is a prolific writer and, and musician who possibly has a lot of stuff in the can at any given moment that can be used in fantasy scenarios, because that's what he I, does. I have to say, like, even now... I would be very surprised if he couldn't be given a couple of days and he comes out with a fucking complete complete masterpiece, complete banger. Yeah. Like, just stick him in a room for a couple of days and he will come out with a fucking tune. Of course, yeah. But then the other thing with it as well is he might not need to. He might go, oh, I made one yesterday. Well, yeah. <laughs> I got bored and here I've got, go. I've got 20 that's, of them. Like. That's, what he's, that's the kind of musician that he is. He just, he is so good and he has so many ideas. Yeah, so like, there's a lot of stuff like uh, the eight comparison is great because you can see the brother sister thing with Squall and uh, Alone together, and he's got this missus sister, and he forgot her. The orphanage and the sorceress stuff was meant to be Genova was actually a sorceress. Like there, there was this mad shit that just got left, and there's other stuff that just never like even now, unless you read the Ultimania stuff, you wouldn't even know existed in seven that just never happened there's quests the traveling um salesman quest i think i saw something about that there's this bit where you get a note and it's like deliver this note to my wife in gongaga or something and then you go there and you're meant to get something there and you're meant to go around and other than the note it doesn't go anywhere but it links back to a lot of other stuff in the game it just it's completely cut from 
the game because they didn't have the space really, rather than the, well, like, the like time. In, yeah, it's like in Corel, you've got the um, the little thing that you can go down into, like the little pit. Yeah, pit. And, and there's, there's a man that's covered up. Yeah, and there's the a there's box. A, yeah, there's an empty box that you never get a chance to loot. Apparently, there was supposed to be something there, or you were supposed to do something to find something there. Um, but there's also the fact that you can find the debug mode shit in there. Where they're in one of the early copies of the game, you could actually find effectively what was a test demo enemy, which they used for testing purposes, yeah. which didn't do anything else in the game. And it had like a really weird debug uh, debug mode name or something. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. And like um, a game with cut content, the debug mode has loads of like random stuff, like Aerith going, This is hell. And all this like weird shit that you can find in it because there's also supposed to be um isn't there some dialogue in there from an earlier cut where Aerith was supposed to actually survive or be resurrectable or something to that effect so when you do the snowball mission depending on who you take with you when you land they all say something different if you use like a game shark or an action replay to revive Aerith and you land there she speaks in that scene there is some other stuff like uh what do the tissues do? Um, I I was under the impression those were basically just like a, a dud prize for fucking up in the the battle arena. Like they, that's the only place you can get them. Eh? Yeah, and the same as the uh, soldier toys. Those those I heard there was supposed to be more of at the very least. Whether they were supposed to do something different, I don't know. But I heard that there was supposed to be more of them. Get yeah. 99 tissues you can resurrect Aerith. That's what it was. And like, there's other stuff. There's something called like the duster that you can pick up, and it's just it's just there in your inventory. There's nothing. The like, thing the thing I do find quite funny is the thing with the 135th soldiers. People thought that there was supposed to be 35 of them, and no, that's the scale. Because they're one thirty-fifth the size of a full yeah. person. Yeah, it's a it's a scale thing, not a number of set thing. Because it would have been like one of thirty-five, not one slash thirty-five. But there, there's a lot of stuff in that game that you just collect that's like just there, right? And it's like, just junk. Yeah, and there's lots of stuff in it that's just extra scenes, like stealing the treasure from the fucking nest. And it's literally just. You do it, and they're like, oh, they're so cute. And you go, take it, don't take it. And you take it and get 10 Phoenix Downs. What, wasn't that one originally supposed to have, like, a, a boss enemy attached to it for doing that? If you fight its mum, it, and it's slightly harder, but it is just a normal oh, fucking uh, yeah. bird that you fight in the game. It's no big deal. So that actually leads me to the next one, because the next one is pretty cool. And um, the next one is creatures. Because there are some weird fucking creatures in seven and there are some that i'm hoping in the remake because obviously um the ability to scan tells you a little bit more about them in the remake i actually really that's one of the things they've done a fucking good job with they've really done a good job with how they've ported over the creatures but instead of some of the everyday weird creatures being all over the place them being turned into boss enemies, I think is a really good Yeah, idea. like Hell House was, was oh. fantastic. Made so much sense to do that I, rather than it be... I'm going to say something which is probably going to upset a couple of people here. I don't get why people had such an issue with Hell House. I don't think it was that hard. I, I smashed it my first time. Like, I'm going to be even more of a dick. I actually finished it in one go on the hard mode run. And in the hard mode run, it spits Tonbreeze at you. 
It does fucking what? No, like legitimately, while while you're fucking fighting it, at random intervals at a certain point in the fight, it will just spit Tombries at you. It spits a Tombri out. Then the Tombri starts coming after you, exactly like you'd expect a Tombri to, and they can fucking one-shot nah, you. Nah, fuck that. The minute it spits a Tombri out, it. you have to fuck them up. Yeah. The minute the Tombri comes out, if you, don't you kill have it to go quick. after it straight away. Yeah. What I <laughs> was doing was leaving the limit breaks. I was saving my limit breaks for when it spits a Tombri out, when I played it. I think if you saved up your ATB bars and used Infinite End, I think you could just one-shot them with that. One-shot them with that. I okay. think, oh, that makes sense. I yeah. think it's Infinite End you can do it with. It might not even need to be Infinite End. It might not even need to be that hard. But I'm sure there was an ability, at least one of them, you could just fucking one-shot them with. Um, but, yeah. Like, but you have to figure that out. You have to... Because one thing, yes. it, does, it does add a lot of strategy. But the reason I brought up the creatures and the monsters in the game... There's some really good There's some mad shit in this game. So, quick plug. There is a t-shirt design I'm working on, which is the Triceratops tank. Tank Ceratops! So, I am working on a t-shirt for that. Nice. It's going to be really cool once it's done. I, um, I fucking love the tank Ceratops. That better be a boss. It's, 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 such, a cool, <laughs> it's such a cool t-shirt that I don't want to... Like with some of the other logos and stuff I've worked on, I'm like, hey, this is what I'm working on. With this, I'm waiting until it's done because of the design I have for it. So that's coming out. But the one that has always made me wonder of all the things in the game that you fight is Christopher. He has like a little pig or something with him. And he's got big floppy ears. And he's got the same kind of trousers on as Cloud. And he like hops about. And he's like a bunny man or something. I have to have a quick look at that one. Actually, oh yeah, if you this saw, one I actually don't. And to listeners too, type in Christopher FF7 and take a look at this fucking guy, because it's too normal, like, and it doesn't make sense for it to be in the crater, and I don't know what it is, and its name is just Christopher. Oh, and it's like, what is this? This guy, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah he is fucking, he's weird. The dude with bunny ears, like, because I don't, I don't really remember. I don't remember fighting him a lot because I think he was a rare enemy. You fight him in the du- in in the uh, crater at the end. But yeah, I don't I don't get. But what, what... is that? Yeah, um, and he's got a normal name, like <laughs> yeah, he's just called it's Christopher. Just... Like I'm, there must there must be there must be more to it. But again, you don't get a lot of the lore. Yeah, in the like game. is it is it like some sort of folklore? But yeah, Christopher, I don't know what it is. Maybe Chris will know. Maybe 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 Chris knows what Chris. Chris, Chris is. knows Chris. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's just. Uh... Admittedly, that's one of the things that Mobius Final Fantasy did really well. They did they did cards that were based on all all the different Final Fantasy things and monsters and creatures, and they did updated artwork of so many different Final Fantasy things. And the one actually there they've got for Christopher was really cool. Yeah, so he's got like weird trousers on. I'll explain it, and I want our listeners to look him up. He's got a mask on, which is half black, half white, and the white half's got a, a lightning bolt on it. He's got what I always thought were ears, but they look like flags coming out the top of the mask. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those stage masks where you see, attached to a lot of cinema things, where you'll see a happy version and a sad version, yeah. but it's almost got both at once. Each half is one half of it. He's got a jacket on like um, Zidane from Final Fantasy IX. He's playing the flute, and he's got sort of like a bun for his hair. Like, if you took a bun when a woman does a hair in a bun, like a beehive for a hair, and with him, I always thought it was a pig. It's like a horse, 
um, with like a Mewtwo face and a sun on its head. That's got a big fucking beehive haircut. And its tail looks like the end of a guitar. So, yeah, it, it's it's pretty fucking strange, you could say. Yeah, it is not. It's a, that's a weird thing. What is that? And Christopher. Like, it's Christopher, <laughs> yeah. That's what it that's is. It's Christopher. That's what it is. Fair. That explains my wank fantasies. Yeah, like, it's just a strange it's a fucking weird thing. weird enemy. And, and it's just, I think that, like, sometimes I feel like in Final Fantasy VII, they just went, what are two things that don't go together? And they're like, <laughs> how about a chandelier and a mermaid with a blade for a tail? Done. And out pops that, the fucking yeah, dude that swinging on a chandelier. Well. I will say, I like the fact that they had flat-out dead-ass dragons. Yes. Just, like, not even, like, dragon-esque things or like mutated things crossed with dragons just nah, dragon. dragon just flat out dragon although actually I tell you what I'm looking forward to seeing in the remake and if they miss it out I'm a fucking riot the materia keeper that thing the first playthrough that thing fucked me up when it hit try and you're fucked that that thing stopped my first playthrough in yeah. its tracks entirely I was not prepared because I, I didn't do grinding at the time because I was too young to understand that at the time I was going through just story beat, carry on to the next bit, story bit. Same. Occasionally running away from fights. So what I did with that... That, was, that I, was the fight that taught me how to grind. When I got to that fight and it fucked me up, I went all the way back to the Midgar Zolom and got beta and then came back and fought it. Because at that time I was like, I can probably beat that fucking snake. At the time I got to the Materia Keeper, I'm pretty sure I can murk this snake. And it was still difficult because it yeeked one of your fucking, sometimes two of your members. And I got beta and I came back and I whooped the material heaps ass. Like, no, that that was actually the fight that taught me how to grind properly. And at that point, yeah. I spent ages leveling up. And why, why, why we're at this point, there was something that we probably should have put in the sky. And everyone should know about this. So maybe we just retcon it and throw that one in there. Because yeah. I just did a radio show that I called All Lucky Sevens. And this is if you get hit point damage of 777, put your life point at 777. Or se- no, 7777. Seven, seven, yeah, four, seven. it has to be four sevens. As long as you have four sevens on your hit points, whether you've specifically got a materia combination that puts you to four sevens to begin with, or whether you get knocked into that many hit points, it does it either way. The game immediately puts you into what's effectively a berserk mode, and you get, I think it's 64 attacks consecutively that all do 7,777 7, damage. It just lit- you just frenzy into this Holy immediate shit. thing. It's similar yeah. to it's it's more like trance in Final Fantasy IX. Like it puts you into this like sort of bizarre trance mode where it just yeah. kicks in. But like legitimately, that's that's a strategy for killing some of the bosses in the game because there's a there's a materia combination you can do as long as you've got just the right levels of materia. And you've got Barrett to level, I think it's 78. You've got this perfect combination of everything. And you can put Barrett to exactly 7,777 hit points. So you start the battle and he immediately goes into the all lucky sevens trance thing. And just goes nuts and just starts murking everything. Yeah, and loads of people use it against... Um, the weapons. Weapons, yeah, because it's just... the And then the other one is to overload Death Blow with Vincent. To just keep putting his power level up and, and leveling him up and killing so many fucking creatures. Oh, with uh, the death penalty. Yeah, with death penalty yeah, where he can go in silly. and just basically do negative damage so he can one-shot anything. You can get him to a point where he can one-shot I've anything. seen a horrendous loop you can do with Vincent with Mug. 
the, the lucky sevens is, is like the worst kept secret nowadays because if you know seven, you know, even remotely well, you know what lucky sevens is. So uh, we're at this point where there are stuff in the game that is missable. There are things that some people didn't know. Like some people never got Vincent, for example. Some people some never pe- got Yuffie. Yeah, some people never got either of those characters. Yeah. In but, my first playthrough, I missed Vincent entirely. Um, with me, I got Yuffie because I kept trying different options because I kept going, what is that? And she's in the book. She's in the character book. So yeah. when someone's in a character well, so book... so is Vincent. Yeah, so is Vincent. So you want to get them, but I didn't know how... And I remember just trying different options to get her to join, and then she just joined. And I must have spent like an hour trying to get her, and then got her, and ended up leveling up way more than I needed to. That Janoon and everything surrounding Janoon and Corel was just a fucking cakewalk, because I'd leveled up so much getting Yuffie. It's actually really funny that if you use the save point in the area with Yuffie, she still mugs you and fucks yeah. off. It is, it, there's a lot of stuff that's missable like that. Another thing that's missable when we talk about missable content, the Zack flashback that we spoke about earlier is completely missable. Uh, Professor Gast's tapes, completely missable. Um, one of uh, one of Red 13's unique weapons, the Behemoth Horn. Yeah. The only way to get that is to go back down the stairs on your second return to the Shimmer Building because the first time you go up, you have to climb up every flight of stairs. And if you want to go back down, you have to climb down all flights of stairs. The second time you come back, if you go up the stairs, it skips them for you. And after the first flight, you just arrive at the top. And you skip fucking 50 floors. But if you go back down them, you can actually go back down them properly. And you have to go back down them to find the Behemothon. Yeah, it's it, not a it, thing you'll find by accident. It's the same as uh, Cat Shit's final weapon is in that building as well. <laughs> and you can't get it the first time because you open the thing and he's go, like, a What's megaphone? this? A Who megaphone? the fuck needs that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Essentially. To be fair, in the Honeybee Inn... The fact that you can peek through a bunch of the fucking um, keyholes. Yeah. It's a good job Tian hasn't played that. Um, I mean, he, wouldn't he, wouldn't pe- he wouldn't peek through them. Yeah, he wouldn't be peeping. Yeah, um, but like, I'm sure in one of them, you've got Palmer doing some really weird roleplay shit. With the president laying on the bed. Yeah. yeah. So and President got- Shinra's on the bed, and then the Shinra manager that you meet on the tube, again, a reoccurring character that you can find him throughout the game in different areas. There's so much missable shit in the game that isn't secret. It's just right there. I can't remember what it's called initially. I think it's just like the Shinra Villa or something like that. Yeah. When you buy it, it, it changes the name to Clouds Villa, which is actually where I named my house from in 14. Because I managed to get a house in 14, which is fucking savage in its own right. But I actually called that Ava's Villa, for my character. That's, I never that's even noticed that. So Shinra from Final Fantasy X is the founder of the Shinra family in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, there, there's a lot about the same universe stuff. And like there, there is nothing except this one thing tying them together. Because you don't see anything. Shinra in X says, You can harness the planet's life force and use it to travel across the stars. And then in 7R, when you look at one of the old photos in the Shinra building, there he is with his mask, sat there, the same Shinra. And the writers of the game said, out of all the Final Fantasies, these are the only two that are set in the same universe. Well, Cloud in Tactics is canon. so It, it, it was actually officially stated because that happens during the point where Cloud falls into the live stream, which we mentioned earlier. And it is canon. And then later in War of the Lions, Balfia's in there as well. Yeah. But, but I, I will say, you know, there is a good reason that Tactics is a fucking phenomenal game. So a couple of things I've got 
written down here, and I don't know how people didn't know this, and that is Tifa and Sid can ride a chocobo in the gold saucer and do the snowboard, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, yep. If you're doing the chocobo racing, if you've got Cloud as your main character again, and you've got um, Tifa and Sid... They can you, say, can I have a go? This yeah, looks fun. They, yeah. they actually do ask if they can have a go at riding. It doesn't change the way the game plays in the least. There is nothing different about how it plays. All, all the mini games in whichever one it is, basically, all the games in that section of the Golden Saucer have no bearing on the game. They do nothing except give you GP. Oh, slightly off topic, but still on topic. I was gutted I could never play the G-Byte mobile game. I actually really wanted to play that. Another thing we'll mention there as well is the uh, boxing minigame that you can't win. Because the final boss is Bastard. technically unbeatable. Like, no one has ever beat it. It cannot be beaten because it has no pattern to it. Although, you can win, you can win at the Moogle game. Where you feed oh, that's Mugo, simple, though. I, yeah, yeah, you yeah. feed him uh, Koopo nuts to get him to fly and then get him laid, and he has fucking tons oh, of babies. Tons of kids. Um, but then, you know, if you do manage to complete it, the guy who's just sat behind you is like, oh, thanks for showing me, and just gives you loads of GP for it. We'll put mini games on there. The weird thing with the gold source as well, when you first go there, there's a guy there who tells you it's broken. The bike is the only one that does work until you've done them in the story, and because the G bike is right at the end of Midgar. So I have here, like, this is a common Q&A question. How old is Vincent? As an immortal, he is the age he died. He is forever the age he died, but he is probably about 60. Yeah, I, I think I think the original manual actually says something on his age. I actually think it has a thing where it tells you how old he is. Well, as an immortal, he's if you went by his date of birth, that's one thing. But if you went by his date of death, it depends what you want to, what you want to go by. In in the original manual, you've got character name, job, age, weapon, height, birth date, birthplace, blood type. And then a little description. Vincent Valentine. Job. Unemployed. <laughs> Scrounged. I mean, Hobo. not wrong. <laughs> Job. Unemployed. Benefit thief. <laughs> age. 27. So he died at the age he of 27. died at 27. Yeah. Weapon. Gun. Height. Six foot. So he's a tall motherfucker. He is tall. Uh, yeah. Birthday. October 13. Place unknown. Blood type A. And he's got a mis mystical man, stern and upright, while at the same time dark and mysterious. His past connection with Shimmer Inc. is what made him join Cloud and the others. He may seem frail at first glance, but inside, uh, hidden inside his body lurks a fearsome power. So it doesn't actually make mention of the fact that he's a fucking... Undead. Undead ancient motherfucker. So, yeah. so there's that, and then next to that on Korra when I saw that, and I took a screenshot of it, was... When did the war with Wu Tai end? And this brings us back to Crisis Core placing Zack there because the war with Wu Tai ended not long after Aerith's mum, fake mum, husband died. So in the original seven, the war with Wu Tai ended when Aerith was still a girl. In Crisis Core, Aerith is a teenager and the war is still going on. Yeah. The the in the original seven, Sephiroth is a hero because of the Wu-Tai War in Crisis Core he's a hero and he's still in the Wu-Tai War no in, in Crisis Core by the time Cloud meets um, Zack and Sephiroth the war has basically already ended just ended yeah like the war has pretty much gotten to the end 
at that point. Because you fight those two iron giants with yeah, Zach, the big Oni things, and yeah. that's basically that's the end of the war in Crisis Core. But in the original game, that war was over like five six years yeah. before this point. You know, when Cloud's like, "I want to be like Sephiroth, I'm going to go join Shinra." By the time he gets there, the war's well and truly over. Like it's, it's not. It's, there's there is no glory from war. And again, one of the subtextual stories in it is that war was bullshit and we fought a bullshit war. And again, this is a game written before 9-11. Written before this was in the zeitgeist, these bullshit wars, because what they were referencing from 7, they were referencing the way that the people in Japan felt after World War II. And that is what Wutai represents, literally, Japan becoming a resort town, becoming a place that people go to after a war that's what wutai is and people just miss this stuff completely miss it and it links back to when the wutai war happened canonically now because of crisis core it happened six years before the events of final fantasy 7 yeah originally it happens maybe about 10 years it ends 10 years roughly something like that before the events of final fantasy 7 and yeah so there are two questions there vincent's age and those two things coincide because Vincent also gets turned before the Wutai War even happens. Because yeah, Sephiroth um... wasn't born yet. Poorly timed intermission. So I will put down here quickly fan rumours. I'll just list some of these off. Bugenhagen worked for Shinra. Is a fan theory that lots of people have, which is no, no. Um, the ancients aren't dead, and there are ancients still in existence. I mean, they're dead now. The answer is no, because the husks of ancients that you meet in the temple of the ancients are that they are husks. They are not fully. They're not Aerith. They're not. They're, human. they're basically. They're no longer capable of conscientious thought in the way we are, where we can create no, words they're and empty. say things. Yeah, they are. They are fucking. They're a shell. They are f- remnants of what they once were. The other one here is that Sephiroth knew Aerith as a child and knew Ghast. No, but he did think highly of Ghast because he hated Hojo. But they never really crossed paths. That whole no. thing. Aerith was born way after Sephiroth was warring and shit when Aerith was born. This is beyond his stay as basically in an experiment, living in a lab. He'd moved beyond that by the time she was born. So that's another fan theory. So that's all the fan theories done. Yep. Loveless is a My Bloody Valentine album. The reason I know who My Bloody Valentine are is because of Final Fantasy VII. And I fucking love that album. I think it's incredible. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And in the opening of the game, you see Loveless and the words My Bloody Valentine written on it. And the woman on the post is the female singer from my belly valentine we have merch that says loveless this guy's sick that i remade i remade that poster from scratch so if you want it you can buy that it's on our website um yeah strange story with that i remember seeing it in game going what is my bloody valentine what is loveless and thinking it was a reference to vincent valentine and i went to like this local music shop and i was just flicking through stuff and was like my bloody valentine saw it scroll through and we're like 
sticker on the CD, because Loveless doesn't have any writing on the cover. It's just this blurred image of a guitar, this pink image of a guitar. And it, and the sticker said, My Bloody Valentine, Loveless. And I was like, I, I need this. So I looked on the back of the CD, and so it came out before Seven. And went, what the fuck is this? And bought it, went home, listened to it, loved it. And was thinking about seven, and I'm 14 at the time, you know, I'm, a, I'm still a kid. I'm thinking about some of the lyrics and the themes in it. And the story is, when they were writing Final Fantasy VII, they were listening to this album through the majority of writing and creating the game. So its influence on the game is intrigual to the story and plot. And when you listen to the lyrics and the weight, because it's very lo-fi and dirgy, the album... When you listen to it and you correlate some of what's being said, like uh, when, like song When You Sleep and stuff like that, when you correlate the lyrics and um, to the game, it makes so much fucking sense. If you're a Seven fan and you've never listened to that album, you're missing out. You can see its feel and its influence and its grungy darkness to it. You can definitely see in Midgar. You can feel that energy from the album in Midgar and see its influence on... The creation of that area of the town which is where you see the poster as well so that is one on there it just pains me that people don't know that that it's so low down on yeah. people's lists that they've never heard of it like i i'll be honest i've not listened to the album but i knew what, what it was referencing so we also have the ghost hotel playing kefka's laugh when you open <laughs> them <laughs> yes people should know well if you played six you'd know you'd know that you would have heard that so we also have um jake can speak more on this because this has confused a lot of people. A lot of people are like, I don't understand what the maiden who travels the planet is. If they're if they're talking about the kids are alright, the book that is set effectively before it's set before Advent Children after seven. Effectively, I think they're referring to the fact that Aerith's conscience uh, consciousness not conscience um, I think it's referring to the fact that Aerith's conscience, consciousness, fuck's sake, I'm not even drunk. Aerith's consciousness doesn't diffuse into the live stream like most other people's would. Because not only does she still have something she needs to do, she also is an ancient. So she has a stronger consciousness for that kind of thing than other people do. And effectively, Sephiroth is like a poison at that, at that point in the live stream. And he is still there trying to do things, even though he hasn't got a body. And it's his obsession with Cloud that keeps his consciousness alive, which is how Loz, Yazoo, and Kadaj become a thing, because they become an extension of Sephiroth's will created from the livestream. This is a bit fucky, I know, stay with it. Um, what Aerith's consciousness does is she effectively kind of latches on so that she knows what's happening. And she's kind of trying to stop Sephiroth while her consciousness is in the live stream. She's trying to kind of stop him doing things. Which is why the Geostigma, which is obviously what Sephiroth has done to people by effectively almost poisoning them using the live stream, which is in itself kind of confusing. Um, Aerith effectively uses the live stream to become an antidote to that in Advent Children. And she she kind of becomes the maiden at that point. It's Shout out to these motherfuckers at livestream.net. They've got a whole article here. Someone made this into an audiobook. 
translated it from Japanese into nice. an audio book. Right. It is in the book. You're talking to kids, all right. It's it's part of it, but apparently it's a larger story of it. And it is what you said. It's her experience in the live stream, trying to purify it, trying to remove Sephiroth's evil essence from it and other stuff. And it says she contemplates the people she's met, the characters she's met. Uh, the audio book is an hour and 15 minutes long, so it's not very long. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's, it does sound like it goes beyond what The Kids Are Alright does go into. Because The Kids Are Alright very much follows... Uh, the I don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil it if people want to read it. But the the main character there's actually quite a revelation about him as a character. More ter- it it follows. You get a lot with Reno and Rude in this one. You get a little bit with Elena and Sung in it. Um, a couple of the other characters do turn up as well, but it's less focused on the heroes of the seven of the Genova War as they call them um, later on in Dirge of Cerberus in particular. It doesn't go that heavily into Aerith at the end of seven like in the meteor incident it it shows you the meteor incident from the perspective of some other characters and it actually shows that the people in midgar at the time of that happening anyone who was physically in midgar and wasn't protected from the light of what was happening was fucking vaporized like they were completely killed jesus they were subjected to pure life stream effectively at that point combined with the power of holy so fucking deleted yeah, they were they were effectively deleted into the live stream. Damn. So here is something that is well known to people like myself and Jake, and that is that originally many of the characters were going to die, and only three would remain, and they're the three who fight Sephiroth at the end because the others die rip building up to it, and it was Namoro who stepped forward and went, one character death is worth more than all of them, and that's how they ended up with Aerith's death because it, it has a lot more impact when you get to explore the grief of the other characters with that one dying than it is to have everybody fucking die. Because the reason Sakaguchi originally had all of them dying and this big amount of death is because he'd lost his mum and his mother had died. And he wanted to convey loss in the story by having multiple characters just die on you after you've leveled them up, after you've brought them to the end. And that could change depending on who you choose in the final battle. So depending on who you put with Cloud they will always survive. Kind of like Mass Effect does. Depending on what options you choose, these people will die. You've written it before. And uh, the story is that Nomura went, that's too much. It's going to oversell the point. It loses impact. Mm -hmm. What is the canon ending if some people do or don't die? So we've, we've got something here that we briefly mentioned, and that is... And this is, they've put it on the very tip of the iceberg, which is where we're at. Again. Oh no, because you could miss this. So this is something you could miss in the game. Cloud and Tifa have sex under the high wind. I want to say, technically you can't miss it. She has two dialogue options on the high wind at the end. And one is, we were up here the whole time. And she goes, oh, okay. And there's a little bit there where she doesn't say, like, let me spay, let me be with you tonight, Cloud. Let's have this one night together. She just doesn't say that bit. And I've never had it. I only found this out recently. And I was like, really? There's a different dialogue here? And basically, if you don't do what I did, which was flirt with Tifa and Aerith, if you do not flirt with Tifa at all, that bit doesn't lead to them banging. It leads to them just sleeping next to each other and Tifa not being embarrassed about it. And that's the end of it. If you romance Hmm. her as well as Aerith, you get the... She literally collapses on the floor and was like, you were watching, shaking her head like you... Yeah, they they bang. But that's canon, they fuck. He repaints her insides. 
The European manual memory card advert uses an unused map background. Now, I'm going to do this live because I have my copy on display. I was under the impression it used um, the scene where you see Cloud and Sephiroth in Nibelheim's basement. I was under the impression that was the image they used for the back of the I manual. never owned the physical disc, so I, this will be a first for me. You are right, Jake. And whoever wrote this I is didn't wrong. See, I did, Chris can fucking say, I didn't even look at it. Nah, I knew. Didn't. That's the Euro- Well, maybe. That's the PAL European version. That rumour is false. Unless in like other regions I mean, they unless, did something Unless different. they're referring to literally the background behind the entirety of the thing. Let, let's, let's look at this live on air. Uh, I don't actually know what the fuck that is. So it looks like some sort of mountainous area. Maybe it was never used. Maybe it was never ever used, that map background. Because exactly what is it they say in the the bit for for that for the back of the manual? What was it they said about the rumour about it being an unused asset or something? So European manual memory card ad uses an unused map background. So they might they might be referring to the bit on the back. Looking closely, it looks like the scene from where Cloud is in the memory thing. It does yeah. So which would actually make a lot of sense if they're doing it for a memory card advert. Yeah. Um, but it's the bit where they go into Cloud's memories and they're like, "Hey, what's you know what's going on with this? Your head's fucked. Let's fix you." It's where you're playing as Tifa. That's what that looks like to me. Yeah, true. So there's a question on here: Did Soldier exist before Sephiroth was born? Yes. 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 Because he was trained by soldier. Fucking emphatically, obviously, fucking clearly, yes. The later things, again, this is back to what we're talking about, about retcons and bullshit, confuse people. Yeah. They confuse people. But yes, soldier's been around for a long fucking time. The Turks have been around for a long fucking time. If the Turks existed before Sephiroth was born, what? Soldier didn't. What a weird thing Please see the upcoming make. game, The First Soldier... Like, for reference. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that goes into the expanded universe a little bit of remake, I think, rather than original. So people might argue that that one doesn't count towards it. But I still think that it actually has quite a big place and should make it fairly clear that, yes, Soldier was always a thing. Sephiroth was the single most powerful soldier that ever he was existed. Meant to be, he was meant to be the perfect soldier, wasn't he? Yes. Effectively. Yes, he was supposed to be the perfect soldier. He ended up being pretty much the strongest thing they'd seen, that side of fucking sliced bread. And then he went mad. Then he went mad. <laughs> and then everything went fucked. <laughs> the whole thing. Um, and the soldier program didn't stop after Sephiroth. There are still soldier units in the original game. Hell, even in the remake, you fight third and second class soldiers. Maybe, but I think in original 7, in Junon, they're second class soldiers you get to fight. When you raid Midgar, I'm pretty sure you fight some first class. I I can't remember. I don't think you ever fight first class. Oh, okay. Um, in, in FF7, Cloud and his party encounter all three ranks of soldier as enemies. It doesn't say exactly where. But it does actually say that you do fight. I'm positive when you return to Midgar, when you parachute in, that you can fight some. You can fight some first class there, and you fight, I think, second class in Janoon. It's a little bit annoying that it doesn't tell you what points that you get to fight them at. But yeah, yes. So we have on this list here, Aerith and Tifa are originally one character. That's true. Yes. And I'm glad they did. And I think that might have been an Amora suggestion as well. Much as I shit on the guy, I think sometimes he's, he's just, he needs a filter. 
he's got some good ideas. He just needs someone to go, this time travel shit is wank. And we don't want any of it, you know? So we also have here the Aerith apparition. When you return to the church after a death, you will see her flicker on there. That's yep, a bug. It's, a, it's, about, it's about a half second worth of time she's on screen for. She literally appears and more or less disappears. And it's like a see-through um, yeah, image of her. Just a flicker. Yeah. So it, when you talk to her at the beginning, if you go into the latter end of the church, it shows you her tending the flowers like that. And essentially that's what it is. It's just, it is just a... Apparition. It's a load issue almost in yeah, the game because it, it tries to just, load the wrong scene. And yeah, so that is there. Is a, I think is a great addition because you return and see her ghost at the place where you first meet her. It's actually pretty cool. So we have that. Um, we have Sephiroth originally had Vincent's design. I'm not sure I've heard this. It's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, I've not heard I've this. I've never heard this. This is pretty dark, deep down. The thing is, though, a lot of the original design work had face coverings and high collars and shit of people. So there is a chance that when they added Vincent to the game, because what a lot of people don't know, both Vincent and Yuffie were meant to be in the game very early on, and this, with time constraints, was completely changed and they became optional. On the flip side of things, this is something that might be interesting if people don't know. Um, people have used cheats or codes or other things to get Cloud into their party on Kingdom Hearts. And he is the most powerful thing in the game. Because he's immune to damage and is so powerful he can one-shot anything in the game. So a lot of what ended up in Kingdom Hearts was changed because Disney kiboshed it. Disney are very controlling in anything they've got a stake in. Because the reason why yes. Kingdom Hearts 3 without the DLC, doesn't have Final Fantasy references in it because Disney didn't want them there. And it was only after Backlash that the DLC added them. It made no sense for them to just disappear. Yeah. Even even if there was a mention of them going somewhere else because there was something that was more... Or e even if they'd just gone, the darkness has locked off this world, you've got to go and do it, deal with it after the main plot. It would have been something. Kingdom Hearts makes a lot of changes. So emo broody cloud it comes from kingdom hearts and without this kingdom hearts shit we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing and in seven really really emo and broody in kingdom hearts one so b before jake writes this next one down i will ask him this question he might not know this bit of trivia so this is something that isn't on anyone's list and basically when i searched to see if sephiroth's design was based on vincent all i found was people asking what the inspiration for sephiroth was and people saying i don't know but i do know this so the reason Sephiroth's not in the game a lot, the reason why you don't see him much, do you know what that is based on, Jake? Specifically, no, but I think I think it's partly to do with the idea of horror that you can't see is more frightening. That's that's very, very close. Probably Silent Hill or something. It, no, because it was before Silent Hill. So it oh, came from... It John came, Cena. It came before Cena too. It came from Kitase, who worked on the game, and it came from Kitase's favourite film, which is jaws so in jaws you get glimpses until the end right you don't fully see what he's capable of what he is the, the creature in the corner of your eye kind of thing and that's what sephiroth is all the way through seven uh, even even when you see him you never fight him he runs away you fight genova you, he kills Aerith. he runs away you never truly see him then at the end when you see him he isn't the man in a black cloak that you've been running around after he's a fucking god <laughs> by the time you see him and it, it's it's based on Katase's love for Jaws. That's... Well, the, the first the first time you see Sephiroth's actual body, he's shirtless. He's a shirtless dude in a crystal. Yeah, with no legs. 
So I've got one here, which is a question, which I found somewhere else. And it says, uh, what government existed before Shinra? We don't know, but they definitely overthrew someone. Yeah, they basically they don't go into that, but I don't think it. I don't think they need to. It's not relevant. But there are other places like the Gold Saucer where Dio basically has autonomy there. Shinra are in control of Midgar, Junan. I. Nibelheim, obviously. Yeah. We, Nib, well, I don't know. They don't really control it so much as leave it alone. But it is full of Shinra paid employee actors pretending. No, everyone in there is just a fake person. Rocket Town, kind of. Like. Yeah, Rock, Rocket Town, well, to begin with, and then it kind of goes off because they don't care anymore. But, yeah, if, if well, yeah, really, Junan and Midgar are the only fully Shinra-owned and run places. You've got influences of them in a couple of other places, like Costa del Sol and Rocket Town, but they don't own the places fully. They just have a lot of interest in them. But once they don't care, they don't get involved anymore. Almost every other city in the game isn't actually Shinra run around. They can't stop Shinra doing things is the thing that people... That's what it is, yeah. Like, a lot of places like Medil, for example, is just a place on a little island on its own. It's just a bunch of shacks. Yeah, and, and the fact that there's things missing and lost, like, the planet hasn't been that explored because when you go to the City of the Ancients, Shinra didn't even know that cunt existed. They didn't know it was there. They were like they were shocked to find out this fucking place exists that you find. When they find the Temple of the Ancients, they didn't know that existed. You can see the cunt if you flew past it. But yeah. I think... The, and this is where they're going to struggle with the remake. Shinra's power really didn't extend much outside of Midgar. No. We're Janoon, but it didn't... In the original game, the airship is broken and they have to fucking borrow... They have to get on a ship across... Because they have no planes. Because the Galenka had sunk. Because yeah, they don't they, they have... have... the ability to make planes. They don't have any. They're because, quite rare. Because why they are a, com uh, a capitalist company, resource-wise, you see it's capitalism gone wild. They're kind of like communism, where like, yeah, well, we've got a jet. Yeah, one jet. Like, you've they got have, one. They have like, a lot of helicopters. <laughs> a lot of helicopters and stuff, but they don't have a lot of like... It long range long range stuff it's yeah. like it exists but we've got one of them we had one airbuster until some twat blew it up we had, we had, <laughs> even with submarines we had like four because you you eat yeah. one and then when you go back there later there's a couple more they've got four one of the reasons they have to go to go and pinch the tiny bronco aside from the fact that the airship needs repairing there's very very few places you can land a plane yeah. helicopters are a bit different because they're vertical takeoff but there's very few places you can actually land a plane. And if you try to land a plane on a grassland, you're going to fucking crash that thing. So, I, I guess we're close to the bottom. Oh, we're, we're, we're one up from the bottom now. So, oh, well, this is true. There is a real baby called Sephiroth. Okay. If there's a character in a game with a name, some fuckers name their baby after Is there only one? I bet there's more than one. Well, more than one by now. But there's more than one. And listen, people have probably named their kid after fucking H.B. Lovecraft's cat at this point. So let's... Uh, <laughs> hey! They shouldn't. I will point that out. We're not saying it on air. Look it up. Um, there, There is a... I think there's a state in America. I think it's a state in America where they have a list of names that, it, that you are not legally allowed to call your baby. 
including things like Batman and Goku and Superman. And in the UK, you're not allowed to call them things like Queen, King, Pope. There's certain things that you religious should... titles yeah. or which like is weird because because so... King and Pope are surnames. Then as a surname, I can kind of get that because that's a family name, not a given name. British British historically. Um, the last name was actually more of a descriptor of your job than it was a family name. True. So if someone was called John Smith, that's because they are a blacksmith. If you had someone whose last name is Carpenter, they're a carpenter. Or Baker, they're a baker. Although, could you imagine someone whose last name was King deciding to call their son King? King oh, look, King. King King. Fucking. He better be based. He better be... <laughs> the most based he, King He better ever. look like Giga Chad or I'm not involved. So we also have... So there is Texas, like on a sign on Korean the wall, barbecue and plate. And you in... can get a Korean barbecue plate. Yeah. The reason they know what this is is because the original game was meant to be set in New York. A very yeah. fucking simple answer. It's just things that snuck through, basically. Um. And okay, we're gonna get into some dark shit now. The Final Fantasy VII house. So there was a place called the Final Fantasy VII house in America. People met each other online, uh, were fans of Final Fantasy VII, and claimed they were reincarnated versions of characters in the game. Of mm. course they did. So they sure. moved into a house together and would reenact scenes and parts of the game. And it divulged essentially into uh, fights, people shit in the bed... The house being a fucking absolute dumpster, stalking, sexual assaults, just fucking debauchery and madness. Now, down the rabbit hole, uh, the guy who makes those down the rabbit holes ah, that's has, fucked, a, Randy. has a fantastic video on this. It's about half hour long. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Go watch his video. It's fucked up. They're like We've got mad stuff happening in this. Why? Because one of them was Hojo, and one of them thought they were Arif. So they would fuck with her and met, like they would do mad shit to each other. I think this ties back to some of the Tumblr shit. There are fans. Final Fantasy VII is the first Final Fantasy game to attract these mad cunts. It really, it really is. And, th- and we're talking about something that happened in like two thousand and one. That the, is the Final Fantasy weird. house is fucking disgusting. I, I would. Uh, I am shocked Jake's never heard of this because your YouTube must pop up with Final Fantasy shit I've, all the time. When I you think look at I've stuff. heard the term, but I. Don't I don't think I'd known any of the stuff about it. So speaking of like names, I just checked the current record for names to do with Final Fantasy. Yeah. Aerith is the number one. I was gonna say I think female names most likely. As of twenty twenty one, there is no one in the US called Sephiroth. In the US. There are sixty one girls called Aerith. Wow. If I met someone that in fact Jess who listens to this, I think he called his daughter Tifa. I'm positive he called his daughter Tifa. Now I'm thinking about I'm positive Jess who, who listened to this. Uh, As of 2020, there are seven boys named Eris. There's <laughs> 69 girls called Eris. Oh, gee, 69. What about Tifa? Nice. What about Tifa? So here's a common misconception. Final Fantasy VII takes place on planet Earth, and this only comes from Supernova. People don't understand that Supernova is Sephiroth breaking reality... To do that, he destroys our world to summon the supernova to their world. Their world is called Gaia, Gaia. That's Gaia. what it is. It's not Gaia means Earth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's explained. I think it's explained in one of the Ultimanias actually. But basically, 
Sephiroth is using something that's equivalent to summoning magic because he can use that ability multiple times in the fight, showing that he's not actually destroying Gaia. So he is effectively destroying another universe's in a, in another, soul yeah. system. And he, he, he summons forth... or It's almost like a reverse summoning, technically, at that point. Because he takes them to that universe. to do it to it. Yeah, he blows that one up. And then they go back to their original one. So I think it's more like a reverse summoning. And the reason he can do it multiple times is because... He is that fucking powerful. Well, because he, he could be destroying it in multiple dimensions. And also with that as well, is the mathematical equation in Supernova is wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. And I it's, it's would not... also go as far as to say it's not just that people didn't realise that it's wrong. I think it's more like nobody cared. Because you see the mathematical equation and go, Alright. I'm, bit, I'm about to be blown up, all right? So, ten Sephiroth. Sephiroth is the tree of life. Yes, it is. It, all, it does turn up in a couple of Final Fantasies, I think, but it does turn up in 14, because it is. there's a boss in 14 called Sephiroth. And again, it's to do with the tree of life. The ten Sephiroth is... Which is... I wouldn't say it's more to do with Final Fantasy, it's more to do with, like, SMT and Persona. It's, it's a thing that... it's. It's an actual thing in religion that appears in games. There's another rumour here that Zack is the guy who are sick in the pipe. No, he is not. No. No, at that point, Zack is probably no, dead. No, Zack Zach is in the fucking ground. <laughs> Zack is running with bullets. I love how the last army you get in Crisis Core is the bulletproof vest. <laughs> Genova was controlling Sephiroth the whole time. He's at the tip of the iceberg. This is wrong. Geno- Genova is not controlling Sephiroth. There's one here that's partially true, so I'll just write down holy. Humanity was destroyed by Holy. Yeah, some of them were. Well, if you look at the 500 years later thing, it doesn't appear like humanity exists at that point. I want to say that that inference is a assumption made by players. Because you see Midgar reclaimed by the planet. Humanity may have left it realising that it's just a bad omen. And they might have left it, and they might be living in other places in the world. You only see Midgar in the 500 years later section. So that's not a good indicator of whether humanity still exists or not. So, with that said, we are looking at what other people have at the end of theirs. So, Cloud in Chocobo Racing is canon. Again, yep, we don't really need to go into that. Anything, if Cloud appears in something else... The canon excuses it happened when he was in the live stream. The thing a lot of people don't know is Cloud has the most appearances outside of Final Fantasy VII. He has more appearances than any other Final Fantasy character. Well, he is... If you were to say who is Mr. Final Fantasy... It's Cloud. But yeah, he... But I think that's where a lot of the hate for the game comes from. Popularity. Comes from the fact that it defines the franchise but seven he... defines final fantasy is the definition of the of the franchise and yeah. if you think before six they were medieval games yeah and they've never returned to it even with 14 which is heavily influenced with medieval it also has industrial elements and steam era elements and stuff like that, and it because and obviously mag- magitech as well because so magical. Be- yeah, because fourteen is a pastiche of every Final Fantasy to date. 
but it doesn't do it gratuitously. It does it in such a perfect way that it doesn't feel out of place no, at any point. It, it, it doesn't. It looks like an homage rather than fan service. Fourteen's brilliant. I, I, I mean, I, to be fair, to to sort of lean into something that was very popular recently, fucking Sakaguchi himself blasting through 14 in a month start to finish in a month <laughs> including heaven's ward on a two-day gaming bender fucking hats off to the man like but well, and um, now it's all but confirmed that he is helping right in the next stage of the game well yeah basically they want to get he wants to go in for a collaboration with them and the like i i think yoshi p will take him up on it i don't he, think yoshi p would be stupid enough so to what refuse. people don't realize is he's yoshi the reason Yoshi P is in video games is because Sakaguchi is his idol. This, this is the man who inspired him to get into making video games. I mean, th- this would be his dream collaboration, I guess. And even though this is not seven related, find a space to write Sakaguchi is king on our sheet. Oh, boy, fucking. <laughs> Hell yeah, boy. The final one is the mythology that has gone into. Final Fantasy VII. Because I believe there there's is... an entire book about it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Michael Gallagher, um, I've spoke to him a few times. I really want to get him on. Basically, I was trying to get him on maybe about three months ago, and it was a case of me needing to read his book because I wanted to. And then Tian, who is huge into his North mythology, said he was going to read it. And then I kept saying to Tian, have you read it yet? And it kind of got funny that the interview fell through, but I'd love to have the guy on, Michael Gallagher, who wrote it because... I've spoke to him. He wants to come on and do an interview. You so, expect Jake to do any Read research. the fucking FF7 mythology book and we'll have the canton. But the guy wants to come on. It'd be great to have him on. It would be. But mythology, right? We are talking. So the I think the biggest influence on Seven is Norse Easily. mythology because Definitely it's all it's Norse. all over the place. But then there's Arthurian mythology with Knights of the Round. Uh, uh, Greek with Hades. Greek with Hades. Like there is so much. Like this game is embroiled in it. In fact, we could do a whole mini series on Norse mythology in Final Fantasy, Greek mythology in Final. Like we could do a whole series on it because this it could is, cover several of the Final Fantasies. Yeah, in because the it because it is so fucking deep. But yeah, Sephiroth being the ten Sephiroth, the tree, the 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 Kabbalah symbol which you had up, which is the the Jewish symbol. That like, all this stuff is just deep in there, and mythology and Final Fantasy go hand in hand. And the weird thing is, this mythology, while they do use a lot of Japanese mythology, a lot of it is not native to Japan. Leviathan, all this shit is just not native to Japan, but yet they love it. In Final Fantasy, like it's an intriguing Bahama, part of every Final Fantasy. Bahamut, yeah, Bahamut is, uh, is well known. Muslim or yeah, yeah. Bahamut is well known as a dragon because of Final Fantasy. Um, Bahamut in original religious, it, it was one of the more Eastern type ones, like um, Muslim or something. I don't yeah, remember the, exactly. The, the Jinn is another one. That's but another big. Bahamut yeah. wasn't a dragon. It was a fish. It was a sizable fish. I remember once. Well, this is really embarrassing. Um, I was chatting up with this girl and like we were talking and I knew she was kind of a geek and I knew she'd played Final Fantasy 8 I knew, I knew this oh yeah baby want to play and, with my and, Leviathan and her name was Emma right and I, I, was, I was kissing her at this fucking pub and I was underage I was like 17 so was she and she said I said I need I need to go to the toilet and she said uh, you go leap the dragon and I just <laughs> And that is embarrassing. I turned around and said, it's not a dragon, it's Bahamut. (laughs) 
And I remember walking away just thinking, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> you tits. You cringe cunt. Why did you say that? I remember the look on her face just being like, yeah, I was going to fuck you, but probably not now. I just remember the instant the attraction just draining from her face in that moment. <laughs> no pussy. You, you nerd motherfucker, right? And um, I remember I went back to my mate's house with her and we're like laying on the bed and I'm like falling around with her. Still kissing and stuff. And she was like, I am going to sleep. <laughs> and I remember just laying there next to her while she was asleep going, why the fuck did you say that? Why the fuck did you say those lines? That Could've It's not a dragon, rain. it's Bahamut. Could have gotten some prime puss and instead you got a prime well, She was hot as fuck. She was blocking. like some fucking goth chick with big curly fucking hair. Like dressed down in this like uh, pleat velvet fucking goth dress. Big fucking boots and shit. Massive set of knockers on her. Like, uh, yeah, I fucked up that time really did and the weird thing is that afterwards my mate was like did you did you and i was like no and he was like mate the only reason she was here tonight was to see you the fuck you know i missed out on big titty goth gf i mean i like i like me some big titty goth i'm into them big tittied and goth and that was embarrassing because i was just like why did i fucking say that but i knew it like when i said it i was like this sounds cool so straight away i went you fucking dickhead why the fuck did you say that you, you moron. Like, or, or, Don't just, use that. You won't get laid. Yeah, I, I should have just turned around and said, sure will, and just go to the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I should have just gone, yep, I'll be back in a minute. Like, I didn't need to... But to me, I was like, I need to say something in response to her dragon comment. With Jake, you would turn around and say, it's a Chinese one. Worship it on New Year. <laughs> Man, you can't say cringy shit about your dick to a chick. It will make her not want your dick. But no, thank you for listening to this iceberg now if you are listening if you are listening to this i will announce the competition when i share this podcast episode when i share it there'll be a post on facebook it'll be on the this guy sick page and i anyone who likes comments and shares the iceberg will put be put into a randomizer to win the iceberg that jake's been filling out today so there's an official sheet of paper here, an iceberg that's going to be given away. It's signed by me, Chris, and Jake. Yeah, we've we've already done the signing of it, we've so already, it is signed. It's, it's in it's, Jake's it's glorious a, Asian handwriting. Yes, yeah, it, it is from his crooked Asian face. It is very nice, actually. Um, he one punched it. He, he did a Shang Chi on it, and uh, <laughs> there is a dong on Genesis. There is head. a dong on Genesis' head now, and we we we've signed this, and we've had a lot of fun doing this episode. So yeah, so basically, like, share this episode and we and comment and we will randomize and draw someone out and send someone the signed maybe even getting laminated and uh, send it out to you guys so no thanks for listening any last words chris nah it's been fun been fun to the next one I've enjoyed this, so I'm now I'm just scribbling a little He's bit on some of the images. The He's just calling <laughs> Genesis an absolute cunt. But no, thanks for listening to this one. It's a long one. It's a big one. We haven't done a big one like this for a while. Yeah, but this is, this is good. long. It's you long. Know, ask, did, ask anyone. But no, thanks for listening, guys. Check out the Patreon. Check out TJS Radio. And peace. Peace out. Ciao. <laughs>